This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 530 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, March 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, it's Middle Infield Day. No, it's Ozzy Albies Day. You're damn right it is. <laughs> this is three hours of Ozzy Albies talk. If you're not in for it, then just delete the podcast right now. Okay? I think most of you are here for that. That's actually not what's going That's not going to happen. But Aww. we are talking second and short. And uh, we will definitely get in plenty of Albie's talk. And if you want to follow along, you can go ahead and click on the link in the show notes for the uh, average drop position or just go to playnfbc.sportshubtech.com slash ADP. It's much easier to click the link. But make sure you set your from date uh, as February 22nd, 2018. So it's the last two weeks. Try to get kind of the latest uh, info there. And um, it will be a little bit different than if you use the whole thing from uh, early October. So that's what we're going to do. We'll do second base first, then shortstop. No news today. Ichiro signs uh, with Seattle. That's cool, but not really fantasy relevant. And Linscombe gets an official deal. Also cool, but not yet fantasy relevant. I know there's talk of him being in the bullpen, but uh, he certainly shouldn't be number one on their list to close, even though they're they're, they're going to be trying to work him out there. And I hope it works well for Linscombe. I really do. But uh yeah, and we're not, we don't cover every little spring training tidbit. Lots of shows doing that. No need to overlap. They do a great job, and I know most of you uh, listen to more than one show. But if you ever listen to their shows over us, I'm going to know. Okay, I'm tracking y'all's phones, so don't mess with me. Okay? J- Justin, do you think that's fair to say? Uh, I don't I don't think it's fair to say that they should be listening to other shows. I mean, unless no, no, no. it's like one of the like 7 million podcasts that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're on, that's it. If we're on the show or okay. it's, it's Justin's other show, that's fine. But don't you be listening to anything. No, I'm kidding. Let's <laughs> stop being weird. Let's dive into second base. And let's start just at the top real quick, Jose Altupe, okay? He's up by himself. No one's even close. You know, you're going like a whole round before you get to the next guy. The only real question is Altuve at, at one, which is, is plausible, I believe. Uh, I don't personally do it, but I certainly see the reasons for it. Uh, how do you feel about that? Is Altuve a viable number one for you, or do you have to go Trout or Bust? Uh, I, I totally think Altuve is a viable number one overall pick. I think it depends on your format and, and depth of league. Um, but Altuve has out-earned Mike Trout in three of the last four seasons, and the fourth season uh, they tied. So, I mean... So, could you almost make a case 
that like he should be number one? I think you can make that no, case. I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, let me let me go further and say like, and then Trout is the one you should maybe take sometimes. Like I'm saying, like should mm-hmm. Altuve be a more consistent number one, and then and then it's number uh, it's it's Trout sometimes going for again. You're not going to go wrong if you take Trout first, but I wonder if maybe Altuve should be the firm number one, and Trout sneaks in there. This is nothing against Trout; it's more to prop Altuve. What do you think on that? I, I can't make the argument because I just think that Trout's uh, ceiling is just so high. I mean, we saw what he did in limited time last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it, it was absolutely amazing uh, what he did. If he had had a full season, he would have out-earned everybody by a long shot. So uh, I, I can't do it, um, though I've picked second in so many leagues this year. I'm super overexposed to Jose Altuve, so when the wheels come off this year, you guys can all blame me. <laughs> all right. That's what's happening. Y'all heard it. If if something goes wrong with Altuve, you know who to talk to. All right, so that's Altuve, obviously. you know. And if he goes later than two, your league messed up. Unless there's something that like super rewards some sort of, um, I don't know, like third base bonus or, you know, obscene pitching bonus. And even then, I, I, I don't know. I, I think unless there's just ex- super extenuating circumstances, it has to be Trout Altuve as the top two picks in some order. Um, and then you can kind of open it uh, a, a little bit more widely and, and, and start taking different guys at three and beyond. But I think those two have to be the first guys in just about every draft. Uh, let's move on. Next, Jose. Now, it, it's spread out here at second base. So, like, these, this isn't even really a tier. I'm going to tier them, but, like, they're all pretty spread. They're they're almost 10 picks apiece apart, and that's Jose Ramirez at uh, pick 20. We're just rounding here. It's 19.73 if you really care about uh, that precision, and you shouldn't. But uh, Jose Ramirez at, at 20, D. Gordon at 28, and then Brian Dozier at 36. So these are the next three guys going. Jose Ramirez we did talk a little bit about in the third base because he has that. Where do you like Ramirez better, second or third? Obviously, you can change as you go, but if you're if you're ideally, where, where are you slotting Jose Ramirez? I think I'm going to end up slotting him pretty evenly over my shares uh, between second and third. I think for me, it's just, it's just nice to have the flexibility because you can move him back and forth depending on how the rest of your draft falls. Mm-hmm. Um, I think second base is actually a tad bit deeper than third yeah. uh so i i don't mind moving him over uh to third base i think a lot of people uh would kind of shudder by hearing me say that but uh third base has some pretty big drop-offs as we talked about i think it all just depends on your draft construction yeah for sure i i, I think i'm i'm slotting him in at second right when i take jose ramirez and then kind of as the draft goes maybe i'm moving him over to third and and then jumping somebody else there in that second spot d gordon brian dozier oh someone out here coming out here with a leaf blower awesome thanks man welcome oh it's good to hear from you we're just gonna power through y'all uh d gordon at 28 you know he's he's the rabbit he's gonna be playing center field this year so he's gonna add outfield which here's the thing I always love when guys add eligibility. I don't care if it's a, a a spot like outfield, which is usually you know not super difficult to fill. If my guys have multiple spots they can play on my roster, I like that. So that's a little bit of a bonus for D Gordon. But um, for those that that haven't maybe heard some of the other positional previews or don't remember, what is your outlook on rabbits? Guys that 
only really that first and foremost do steals in D Gordon's case, he'll give you some batting average most times. And then also a decent run output, but no power. Uh, I love him. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people will cross D Gordon and Billy Hamilton off their lists. Uh, I think the value they give in the stolen base department is just so overwhelming that, uh, while you have to change a little bit of the rest of the way you draft, uh, it just gives you such an advantage in, in the hardest category to gain traction. Uh, That's that true. I love it. And so, I mean, I, I have a ton of shares of D. Gordon this year. I've actually started off Altuve D. Gordon in a number of leagues this year. That's really interesting. And you've got a hell of a lot of speed and average there, too. So then if you just go uh, your power... I don't care about batting average focus because you are someone who is not super focused on batting average. But if you have that foundation, you can even be more so pushed in on that. So, um, yeah, my that you you hit on the point that I always say, and that's my biggest issue is just make sure that you're you're drafting to to compensate for having a D Gordon or a Billy Hampton. D and D and Billy are a little different too, by the way. D's significantly better. So I I, I lump them together only because they are uh, powerless rabbits, but D is much better because he gives you something else, batting average and runs in a lot of situations, whereas Billy Hamilton is speed only and uh, actively hurts you everywhere else. Brian Dozier is somebody I definitely like. The the depth of second base has definitely impacted that a little bit, though, unfortunately, because as much as I do like him, I feel like I can get some similar. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, just not ending up with him anywhere. Yeah, and somebody that I was like kind of targeting, but then I'm like, you know, I have a Rugnetto door bounce back, and we'll get to him uh, momentarily on the batting average. And at that point, then I'm, how is he different from Brian Dozier? And the fact is, he's he's really not. And and so if you if you're kind of looking at the three year run of of the pair, and Dozier's at 258, and I don't know what Odor is, but he's probably with last year since it was so bad, he's probably like 240 or something. But that it's a difference in batting average. But again, I have him for a bounce back average wise, and then you're just looking at the same kind of 30 15 uh, on the power speed aspect. So I like Dozier, I really do, and I'm perfectly fine with his pick here. I just think other second basemen have me leaning away at this point in the draft season when early in the draft season i was all about dozier yeah i'm right there with you it's just uh, if i'm not getting one of the top three third basemen i tend to kind of wait till outside of the top 10 guys second uh, baseman you mean yeah yeah so um it's just you, like you mentioned we're going to talk about odor uh we're going to talk about guys like ozzy albies and ian happ those guys i feel like can do you know a lot of what dozier can do and are Certainly. going a lot later. Especially if you do the power plus speed, if you do homers plus SBs, because Albies might flip it, but hey, I'm still looking at you know 45 from that from that homer SB, and, and that's huge. But let's go ahead. We'll get to those guys momentarily. Next group is actually a bit of a group here, and it's Jonathan Scope at 66, Whit Merrifield at 74, Daniel Murphy at 74, and then let's get Robinson Cano in there at, uh, at 85. This group is, is an interesting one, but again, I think because of the way second base is, I am never getting any of these guys. Uh, what do you think of this group? Scope, Merrifield, Murphy, and Cano. Yeah, I, I hate to agree with you, but this is just a... Uh, Why would a, you hate to agree with me? I'm a genius. Because <laughs> it's way more fun when I disagree, but this True. is just a, a group of guys that I'm not going to own a ton of shares in. I worry that what we saw from Scope, which was fantastic last year, oh, for sure. is the ceiling. 
and it all is. we can do, like we're going to talk about, like you said, uh, Odor, and who like had a huge drop in batting average. Um, but we're not as worried about it because we feel like it's going to fluctuate and we could get the better end of it. I feel like I can only go down with, with scope, and I've loved scope for a long time. Me so too. It's hard for me not to get the shares, but at it, 63, uh, aren't we paying for the ceiling a little bit? Paying for full freight from last year, and he might just be fine, but it's over 100 picks higher than it was last year. And again, scope put up the season to kind of to, to earn that, but just because he earned that doesn't mean that I want to take him there and and have to get another 3,100 uh, out of Jonathan Scope. And if he fell, falls back to 2016's 2582 with a 267, it's not the end of the world, even at pick 63. It wouldn't kill you. But another factor is that he's played 162 and 160. He's a volume guy as well. He definitely has skills. I'm not going to go so far as to say he's just a compiler, but that is a that is a big aspect to what Jonathan Scope's able to do. So I just don't end up with him. Whit Merrifield had you know, a hell of a breakout last year. At age 29, uh, never really much of a prospect. Did have good minor league numbers, but wasn't didn't uh, wasn't tabbed as a, as a prospect because of it. I think the 19 homers surprises me more than the 34 stolen bases because he ran all the way up, and you know part of it was um, the the ball, and I think this is something that we're seeing where it's almost like coming up from the minors. It's almost easier to hit for power than it is in 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 the minor leagues at, at times because of the springy ball that we have and the way that you can kind of go up and sell out for power. Um, nothing in his bad at ball profile for Whit Merrifield said that like oh this is crazy unsustainable from the uh, from the power standpoint. You know a nine percent homer to fly ball rate is not very high at all. He still sprayed the ball 34, 36, 31 on his pull center oppo. 31% hard contact rate, 41% fly ball rate. So that's all fine, and, and he got 19 homers from it. I just can't see another 19. And it, Oh, he was 28 last year. He's going to be 29 this year for Merrifield. But I just – I don't know. I'm a little suspect, so I'm not taking him anywhere because I just – I think, again, we're paying full freight for a breakout season for a guy that didn't even have pedigree. At least Scope had pedigree. What do you think of Whip Merrifield? Um, I'm right in line with you. The only thing that uh, you didn't mention that I'll mention is dude does not walk. And nope. I prefer my speedsters to walk a little bit. Keep that OBP at a certain floor. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had two straight seasons of like 323, 324 on base percentages. And that kind of lowers a little bit of the ceiling for me in terms of if I think he can repeat 34 stolen bases. I think he's like a... A ten homer, twenty five stolen base guy with a decent fine. average, and no, it, it's totally fine. But at you know, as a top seventy five pick, uh, I think like like I said before, I think there are guys who can do that later on. Yep, and the context numbers were eighty runs, seventy eight ribbies, and those could be even uh, oh, much much worse. They're going to be way lower than that. Daniel Murphy, uh, ailing. You know, had has the uh, the knee situation. I believe is that what it is. Yes, knee. Um, how is that impacting your outlook on on Daniel Murphy? Because if he's healthy, it's a steal at seventy four because he's he's so great. But he's not, so that's why it's baked into the price. And right now, the latest from Chelsea Jane says seems unlikely to be ready for opening day. So um, 
you know, he's, he's still rehabbing that knee. What do you think of Daniel Murphy now, I believe, going into his age 35 season, if I have that correct? Yeah, Daniel Murphy's one of those guys that I love because he stabilizes the batting average um, to allow you to take more chances later on. He's been delivering pop. But the age injury, by the way, Sorry. yeah, the injury, man, that's not being ready for opening day um, and no real timetable on that is a little scary uh, to be investing that high of a pick in someone um, that is older uh, and, you know, knee problems can really affect you. I, I'm, I'm probably staying. I'm probably just staying out of this group entirely. Yeah, microfracture used to be kind of almost like a death sentence or certainly severely cut you, uh, cut, cut your uh, productivity. It's not that much. It's not that way anymore. I remember uh, Justin Turner, when he was coming off of his, I was super scared. And then he ended up having a 151 game excellent season in 2016. But just because he did doesn't mean that Daniel Murphy's guaranteed to. And obviously, it's looking like he's going to miss some time out front. I am a little bit nervous on this. And again, the depth at second base and a bunch of guys that we're going to get into that I like. Just has me leaning away. I believe in the skills, and if you could tell me when he was going to come back or that Daniel Murphy was going to be healthy, I'd be all about it. But as it stands right now, I'm just not paying the premium. We are out on this group. Robinson Cano, steady Eddie, pick 85 I think is fine just to get a mention in here on him, uh, but nothing special. So if you want to take him there, that is totally fine. For me, I've just been taking other guys around that slot, and that's why I don't end up with Cano. Uh, so let's move on. I think you can probably say something similar unless you have a great nope. – Insight. Okay. So next up is um, Chris Taylor at pick 93, Javier Baez at pick 101, Rugnet Odor at 102, Marwin Gonzalez at 119, and then we'll slide in Ozzy Albies here at 122 with a bullet. The min pick is 81. Oh, who said that? Yeah, it's your boy, Paul Spore. What up? <laughs> what the freak up? All right. This is, this is, this is my wheelhouse group right here. Uh, because I'm I'm in on a lot of these guys. Let's start with Chris Taylor, divisive guy, polarizing guy in the community. I believe right now, where some are just saying no way. On this and, podcast, it's going to be devi- <laughs> divisive. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be right, you're in. wrong. Yeah, it's gonna be great. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, I love Chris Taylor, man. And listen, I know the twenty-one seventeen pretty much out of nowhere is like a little jarring. That's Homer's stolen bases. But he, but he has tangible changes behind it too, and he was a prospect of note, you know, a top ten or guy, not necessarily a top one hundred guy. But the fact that he had changes to his swing and working with uh, teammate Justin Turner to kind of have a Justin Turner, you know, re- not even a rebirth, a birth, really. Uh, it's hard to, you know, people say that about Turner too. It's like a rebirth. No, 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 it was a birth. Like he, he wasn't anything, um, and now they become something. He can take walks. He had some of the best plate appearances in the playoffs. He had more strike, more walks than strikeouts, 11 to 10. He showed the power. He became the, the starting center fielder for them. I just think Chris Taylor ha- has the skills to be uh, a really strong asset again. I kind of see him flipping the homer speed combo to where more, he's more of a mid-20s ho- uh, speed guy and closer to 16, 17 on the homers. But I would amp up the the steals to say twenty five to twenty eight. I just I love his efficiency, and I think with his on base, he's going to get a lot of opportunities over the course of hundred and fifty games. I don't see why why people want to fade him so much. I think ninety picking the nineties somewhere between ninety and uh, let's say between usually around uh, 
80 to 110 is is the the meat of his range. He has a min of 60 and a, and a max of 131. But I like Chris Taylor, dual eligibility as well. What what's the deal with him? Why why are you against him? I just think there's so many spots in in which he can regress. I I don't see the power duplicating. I don't think I don't think he's going back down to like a couple home runs. Like I don't think he's a single digit guy. But I think I'm more in line with like steamer and depth charts where I see him as like a mid-teens uh, kind of homer guy. Maybe you're right, and he does kind of ratchet up the speed a little bit. But also look at that 361 BABIP, and that seems overinflated. Now, again, I don't want to say it's going to go back down to like where it was in 2016 with like 267 because that would just yeah, be Yeah, those numbers are worthless. Honestly, yeah. I, I don't... I don't think you can do anything with any of the three disjointed samples he mm-hmm. put up from 14 to 16, where he combined for 318 plate appearances. I mean, you acknowledge that that was the Chris Taylor that wasn't working out, but he changed from that guy. So that's why I just don't know that there's a lot of value in that. But 361 is definitely high for sure. So it's a 16% homer to fly ball rate. So I'm I'm willing to come back on the power and even with that, the batting average. So maybe it's closer to like a, a 275 instead of the 288. But I also think the, the OBP he could go up like he had a nine percent walk rate i think that could be in double digits so even with the batting average regressing i could see the obp going forward or at least holding um to where it's still 350 plus and that's going to keep the opportunities for stolen bases in check and he was 17 for 21 so i really like that out of chris taylor i mean there's a lot of reasons to be uh be on board i mean he got better in the second half it was like it wasn't like he even had like and that's bad months i mean it just was he was just good the entire way through well and that's what you know the walk rate went down if you look the the walk rate trajectory is really interesting it started off like mega high i'm talking i think it was like 15 percent for the first couple months and then it went down but that's because he was hitting everything in sight you can't walk when you have a 523 babbit which is what he had in july like he just went up there and he was clubbing everything 16 extra base hits 37 total hits a 1072 ops and then back to 11 walks in in august um, a 10 percent walk rate down to six in 108 point appearances in september but then again right back up in october when he had more walks 11 than strikeouts 10 so i don't know i just really like taylor dual eligibility second and outfield i think the price is fair you know i'm prob- i'm not taking the min pick at 60 that's definitely too high for me um, even as somebody who likes him, but I don't see him regularly going anywhere near that. Min. I think that min pick is a true outlier, and a lot of min picks are, but this one is is specifically an outlier, I think, for Taylor. So, uh, what what would you peg his line at? Give me give me homers, SBs, and and average. Don't worry about the context because that that can just fluctuate too much. The um, runs. I'm gonna go fifteen twenty two seventy. We have an opening for a new podcast co-host if you want to send your uh, your information to Adspore. How dare you? No, I, honestly, like that's not even out of bounds. But I also don't think that that line would necessarily be bad here at, 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 at pick 93. But there are guys coming up that will like better, and that's probably another reason that you're laying off and that others are laying off on Chris mm-hmm. Taylor because they want to get these other guys, Baez, Odor, uh, Marwin and Albies. Well, let's take them in order. I think all four need to need to get a specific uh, talking point here. So let's start with Baez. Pick one hundred and one. 
this makes in some improvement, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he is the, was the 100th guy last year. I don't know that he's shown that, that he is the 100th pick or anything just yet. And a little bit of a, not ominous, I'm reluctant to say ominous, but kind of a little fire-starting comment from uh, Joe Madden, like, hey, your playing time is going to stay where it's at right now, around 450 to 500, unless you improve, right? Last year was fine, but it was basically a repeat of 2016. If you want to get 550 plus, you got to get better. So so what do you see out of bias? It's going to be age 24, uber prospect. Had that 42% strikeout rate back in 14 when he when he first came up. That was hilarious. He really has evolved nicely. He is still a big strikeout guy. Doesn't walk a ton, although hats off for doubling your walk rate from 16 to 17. Um, <laughs> to 6%, by the way. Yeah, that, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> uh, exactly. I figured that's why you were. But, uh, you know. Solid player and still just 25. There might be a little bit of fatigue for those that weren't Baez backers. You might be thinking, oh, is this guy, are we still doing this? No, no, no. He's he's putting up some seasons here. This could be the time where he could break out. I could see the breakout. But I do think going at pick 100 says we got to get a breakout. So what do you think of Javier Baez here uh, right around pick 100? I think it's impossible for him to get that breakout if Joe Madden's not going to let him play full time. And I just don't believe in... Joe Madden as a fantasy uh, manager. He does not care about our teams. No, he he's the Bill Belichick of uh, of baseball for sure. Um, he's just gonna he's just gonna continue to screw around with people. He everybody calls him the mad scientist, which is great in regular baseball. But you know this is the difference between regular baseball and fantasy is uh, until I see Baez, you know, getting six hundred plate appearances, it, it caps his value. If he did, he'd be a monster. Yeah, he really could because um, you could see the power amping up, pushing maybe 30, and then the stolen bases. He's only had 10 stolen bases last year, but he was 10 for 13, 12 for 15 the year before. He's super efficient. So if they if they you know greenlit him a little bit more too, you could even see a 2020 sort of season, like on the high end if Javier Baez is really clicking and, and maybe even boosts that walk rate up a, a, another tick or two. Nothing crazy, just even like 7 8% and get, your, get you around a 325 or better OBP because um, he's been 314, 317 in the last two years. I agree with you. It is tough. I can't take him here because of the guys that we're about to talk about. The, the very the very next guy, Rugnet Odor, who we've already hinted at, and then, of course, Albies, who we'll get to in a moment. Odor, we both think that the uh, the batting average has to come up. It was a nightmare, and he contributed to it. This is not a situation where you just chalk it up to bad luck. I don't think so. I think he sold out for power way too much, hit a, a crap ton of pop-ups, and just had a terrible approach at times. But it also went a little bit to the extreme end to where I don't think we'll see it again. I think he's going to understand that, hey, that can't work, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in some trouble here with a 252 OBP and a 204 average. But he still had a 30-15, 30, 30 homers, 15 stolen bases in his worst season. And that says something about this guy's skills. He played all season and still put up some nice numbers for you in those two categories despite murdering your batting average. Um I, even if he just goes back to 250, which would be his second lowest ever, he's 240, 259, 261, 271 for the batting averages for Rugnet Odor. Even if he just goes back to 250, that's a massive gain uh, off the 204 he had last year. And I just really like Odor. I, I, I think he's a nice value here and somebody that I'm definitely targeting. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. He's like the perfect guy for my punt or devalue batting average strategies. 
uh, and he's the exact reason why I do it because you know last year I think is what we saw was the floor. There's there's no way that and like you said he earned some of that BABIP uh, uh, level of, of 224, but I mean mm-hmm. I just don't think that's even close to being sustainable. Uh, so I think at worst you're looking at a guy who's going to hit 240, uh, and he's obviously got a ceiling of you know, close to 275, 280 in terms of batting average. Certainly. Coming with that amount of home runs and, and stolen bases, there's no reason uh, to look at, you know, his fly ball percentages, um, you know, and, and some of the underlying numbers and see any differences from previous seasons. I mean, he put the ball exactly in the air the same amount of time as he did in 2016. Um, you know, a few more infield fly balls, who actually a lot more infield fly balls, but... Uh, I, I don't see any reason why Odor isn't going to be profitable at the price. Certainly. Totally agree. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez, first, second, short, and outfield is really great eligibility. That certainly helps his value because I do, I definitely see some comeback. This was a breakout year for Marwin. But even, okay, unless he goes all the way back, and puts up uh, 13 and 12 with a 254 average again, which is what uh, he did in 2016. Unless he goes all the way back, I think the 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 flexibility is going to s- save some of the regression pain here. Um, and I guess we should put down some numbers here for him because I I, I do think there is going to be some regression, but I I've had a hard time pegging exactly how much. This is one of those guys where I uh, I, I love him in MLB the Show, and that I don't want it to influence my my fantasy drafting because obviously those two things are not related i'm like dang it i really like playing with this guy putting him in every position but he's not going to hit 303 again i just don't see it i think uh, a 28 year old breakout for a guy who had plenty this is not whit merrifield who just got up to the majors either this is a guy who's been at the majors for a long time and he did make changes as well um another guy that you know didn't just find this overnight did make some approach changes and stop pulling the ball quite so much and uh, you know, got got in the air a little bit more as well. I think it's more of a seventeen homers, ten stolen bases, and then the context numbers. I think I'm a little bit more concerned with. I don't know that he's going to drive in ninety again, because uh, I think the 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 triple slash is going to be like, uh, let's see, two seventy five, three three fifty four. 70 something like that so like a solid guy but with four eligibilities that really helps marwin gonzalez how do you feel about uh marwin at age 29 for a follow-up man it's hard because i want to push him down quite a bit because i mean he just jumped up so high but i mean you look at some of the things that he did with his plate skills and it's really impressive Mm -hmm. You, you know swung outside of the zone uh, a fair amount less improved his contact rate by five and a half percent. I mean, he he did make sub, uh, sustainable changes that uh, really show why that he made the jumps that he did. And the fact that you uh, Yuli Gurriel is out uh, for a little while because of yes. suspension and injury further cements the playing time that I think might have been a little bit of question. You know, considering the, the just the powerhouse that is that offense, and so I, you know, I kind of like it. You know, like you said, especially because of the positional eligibility, being able to play first, second, short, and outfield. Sign me up. That's that's huge. Yeah, so I do like him. The reason I'm not really ending up with him is because of this next guy. 
And it is Albies, of course. So let's talk Ozzy Albies. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love Ozzy Albies. I'm so I'm so in on him. And you know, it I hadn't really been saying this yet um until yesterday when I was on the podcast. Uh and I don't know exactly when that episode will come out, but I, I was comping him to Mookie Betts on the Baseball Holics Anonymous podcast. And it's not just a lazy size comp. I think it I think it fits top to bottom really maybe not quite as much punch um you know as as we've seen develop for bets but if you go look at where bets was initially with his power if if it is a mookie bets trajectory then this year would only have to be like a a, a teens power output it wouldn't have to be something insane and i love the speed i think there's even more speed here so if if, the, if you take a little less power and more speed and still kind of get that Mookie Betts triple slash. That's what I'm seeing here. I, I love Albies. And again, Eno turned me on to him. This is definitely something that uh, I knew of his prospect status, but it wasn't until Eno really started talking about him on the podcast that I sat down and watched him and completely fell in love. So I am fully in here on Albies. I'm definitely jumping him in leagues, and I have no problem doing it. I've already got multiple shares in in leagues that aren't just mocks either like legitimate uh full full season leagues here i took them in the uh great fantasy baseball invitational at pick 75 yeah set the high pick there too i set the high pick there i set the high pick in nfbc yesterday at 81 in a cut line draft i'm buying in man i see the skills and i'm buying in what do you think of albies dude i love albies i absolutely love albies but this is getting out of control. And You're out of control. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I want to make profit. And, like, the profit's yeah. all gone. It's just no, it's all gone. Uh, I just, you know, I maybe I don't believe in the superhuman abilities of Ozzy Albies that you do. Uh, but I think we're getting to a point where uh, the the train has left the station uh, so quickly that it, it's now there. There's no profit potential in Ozzy Albies right now. Disagree. Disagree. What's his line? What do you got for his line? Mm, Fifteen home runs, twenty-eight stolen bases, two eighty. That's definitely a top eighty pick. That's definitely a top eighty. What'd you mm. say? You said fifteen. What was the stolen base? Twenty eight, two seventy. Yeah, I guess it is. God, it just it just. Buxton be- was sixteen twenty nine two fifty three last year, and he was seventieth on the ESPN Player Raider. There's still plenty of profit here if he does if if Albies does do something like that. Like that's the thing. Like we can draft him as a top eighty guy, which is still aggressive, super aggressive, especially based on the one twenty two ADP. But he can still be a top sixty, top fifty sort of guy. Like I really do still think that you're not even taking out all – obviously, if you take him in the top 75 the way I did, he needs to perform. He can't have like uh, a, a total flame out. No, duh. But these skills are really strong, and he makes a lot of contact, but he also walks. He's not even a Whit Merrifield type where he's just all contact. He had a 9% walk rate in his major league sample. Um, he's consistently had solid walk rates. His lowest was 6% at AAA last year. Uh, and he still had a 330 OBP because he hit 285. So I just I don't know. I see I see plenty of of room here. He was 1529 last year if you add his AAA and major leagues for Albies at age 20. 
with a 285 batting average. Like that's fantastic. And I'm not saying he's going to do that over a full season, right. but he doesn't have to. What's the floor projection? If he if he doesn't, you know, it, floor if he plays all year mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't uh, you know, doesn't get hurt or anything, I think we could see like um uh, 9 24 and and like I still think the average is still going to be good though even in a floor season. So I'm still going to say 270 on that. Okay. Yeah, and I just like, that's not killing me. Like before, even before if, I joined this podcast, I was getting Ozzy Albies like outside the top one hundred and fifty, yeah, and you guys, you things. you and Eno have absolutely yeah. ruined yeah. the profit potential on on Ozzy Albies. I mean, it's just yeah. you know may, maybe he can still earn it. I just I I, I don't want to pay like a top eighty price for for Ozzy Albies. I just it is just so much less profit potential than you should be getting from a guy who only has 57 career games. I don't agree. I think, I mean, I know I get the, I get the games piece, but like, okay. Um, even if he's like, uh, let's see here. Here's, here's a line, uh, 15, 24 and two forty six. All right. So maybe to, Cut that 15, but then add to the batting average. Do you know whose numbers those were last year? 15, 24, and 246, a middle infielder? 15, 24. And 246. Uh, 246 means it's not Segura. It's not Segura, no. Um, It's got to be a shortstop. And he's old. And he and used to be a superstar. Used to be. All right, now I'm blanking. It's Jose Reyes. Okay, so take off some of those homers, like I said, put him at nine ten, but bump that batting average up. He's not hitting two forty six. I don't, I just don't see it. I, I don't see two forty six at all. And Jose Reyes was eighty eighth on the player Raider last year. Hmm. All right, I know the player Raider's not the end all be all, but it's a good representation. Like I'm telling you, this guy is a top one hundred pick. Ozzy Albies is based on his upside because even even some downside seasons that don't include just a flop doesn't play because that's that's the downside for anybody and of course that that muddies everything up but talking about a production downside is still offering you a lot of big potential on all right but here's the question it's pick 94 okay you're on the clock eno's picking right behind you you can only choose ozzy albies or luis castillo gotta take albies Give me the give me the hitter for sure for sure, yeah absolutely I agree with you there but yeah um, I would definitely do that and you know I kind of regret not going Albie's Castillo at seventy five seventy six when I was talking to Eno uh, I went Albie's Price and I'm fine with that y'all know I love Price in in my great Invitational but um, you know he goes dude that's the most like fan graphs ever to just go Albie's Castillo I was like you're right you're right and then I wrote up Castillo yesterday and I totally get the hype and I I see him as perfectly worth a top 100 pick it's the same sort of exercise that i did where i ran through some scenarios and i was like that's still gonna be a top 30 pitcher and that's that can still like he doesn't have to throw a buck 80 of high quality work to be worth it albies does not have to fully break out to be worth even a top 80 pick so i'm all in here guys obviously and my 81 is the min pick which means he's not always going there so if i get him 90 or later it's a GG. I mean, it's a good game, man. It, it, we're, we're done. I'm, I'm taking him 100% there. So I love Albies. I know it's a hype train, but don't let the hype train meme of it 
distract you from the fact that I fully believe in where I'm taking him. I'm not taking him for the funsies, for the look at me. I believe in this. This is Mookie Betts 2.0 right here. And I, 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 I'm with you. I'm just behind you. All right. All right. You just bring it up the rear. Um, all right. Let's jump down uh, another group here. This tight group because they, they're all their picks are really close together. Ian Happ, 132. Uh, Yoma 132. And if we are doing the, if we did do the decimals, they'd be so not even different. 131.61, 131.68. Like these two are going together, Happ and Moncada. Uh, Eduardo Nunez at 134. DJ LeMahieu at 135. Another interesting little group here. I love Ian Happ. I've been I've been going on on Ian Happ a lot too in that cut line. I also took him at pick one twenty one, um, so I ended up putting him in my outfield since I had Albies already at second base. And then you got Moncada, former Uber prospect, who I think is like I don't want to say underrated because one thirty one is certainly not uh, being forgotten. But I wonder if people have kind of forgotten what his potential upside is. I know Jeff Erickson's been talking him up of saying, "Hey, let's take a look at this guy here and and realize that." Yeah, we haven't seen much yet, but he's going to be 23, and he was an undisputed, you know, top five sort of guy for two years running as far as prospects go. He did put up 12 and 17 homers and, and stolen bases with a 282 in 80 games last year at Charlotte. Don't just lazily double it, but uh, you know, double it and then back it off a little bit, and you're still looking at like 2027. 20, uh, with like a 275 average, like that could be something. So uh, Moncada is really nice. And then uh, Eduardo Nunez, just a solid speed guy. And I, I don't believe in Dustin Pedroia this year. So I think his playing time is is pretty firm. And then uh, who was the last one? Uh, oh, yeah, DJ LeMahieu, a batting average guy. You know, somebody that if you are taking the Gallows and the Chris Davises and, and even a judge, if judge is your first round pick and you are a little bit worried about that downside, DJ LeMahieu is a guy that, you're just going to get a 300-plus average for 550-plus plate appearances, and that's nice. What do you think of this quartet here? Uh, I have shares of all of them. I think they are largely uh, roster construction-specific. You know, I mean, I I took DJ LeMayhew, and I paired him on the turn in an NFBC uh, draft with Trevor Story. Okay, I love that. So. I love that, especially because it's double Colorado. And we're going to talk about mm-hmm. story, and you'll hear me gush on, on him when we get to shortstops. Uh, Moncada could be a version of Ozzy Albies that has no batting average. So, like, take away all the batting average because dude is going to hit, like, 230. Strikes out a ton, mm-hmm. doesn't. Uh, does walk, though. Does walk. Mm-hmm. Like, had a 13% OBP walk formats. Rate. Yes. Definitely. Get a boost. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, in, in your batting average formats, he can be atrocious. I mean, he could be, you know, a 210 kind of guy, or he could be a 240 kind of guy, but he's definitely not going to be 260. So, uh, you know, you just have to kind of weigh that in terms of your team construct. Uh, Ian Happ, I like because I feel like he offers power. Uh, I love the multi position eligibility, yep. um, he's got a little bit of speed. The, the question with him is is playing time. It's like every Chicago Cub is, you know, how many at-bats are we really going to get from him uh, considering Joe Madden hates your fantasy team? 
But here's the thing, and, and it's a viable concern because we were talking about this. I was on this, my doing my serious spot on Monday, and I I told you know Chris List took Javier Baez and I gave him the whole spiel about listen you know his playing times in question. They don't. Uh, Rob Silver did some work on how Madden doesn't play guys over 500 plate appearances unless you're Rizzo or um, Chris Bryant. And then it came up to Hap, and I said, I love Hap. He goes, well, how is he different? And I'm like, well, he's actually not. He's really not that different, except he's already further along at age 22, one season under his belt, than Baez is right now. So I think he's already starting from a better foundation of skills that are going to encourage playing him more. Uh, you know, the power is similar. They're both power monsters, but he's got a better plate skills already. And I do think that... Uh, Baez might have a little bit better defense, but Hap's a solid defender as well. So I think he's just working from a better starting point. That's why I like him, uh, even at a cheaper price than Baez. I, I mean, we saw 24 homers and 413 plate appearances last year. He doesn't even need to go get 550 plus to potentially chase down 30 yaks. And, uh, you know, he said four homers in the spring and it's just spring. But the one thing that a lot of these guys that uh, analyze spring numbers talk about is that power. Uh, strikeouts and walks, the, the the kind of the base skills are things that you can look at and say, hey, there's a little bit of, little bit of something to take from that in spring, and and he's just going out there and asserting himself. And if Ian Happ's leading off in Chicago, oh my God, sign me up. I'm trying to get a lot of shares of Ian Happ for sure. I mean, I like the fact that he's going later than like an Ozzy Albies, um, two rounds later than Baez on average. You know, it, it's a. You know, I want to kind of throw out the fact that he struck out as much as he did last year because in the minor leagues he showed much better strikeout rates than he did in the short sample. That's a tad bit concerning. Maybe it was just kind of a, a young guy pressing a little bit. You know, swung, sure. swung outside of the zone 31.5% of the time, only 67.3% contact rate, which is is markedly lower than what he did in the minor leagues. But again, Does that it, offer some upside though, and say, hey, maybe he gets this and that's, improved. And that's, I think, the argument is, well, if you know a full season in the major leagues, he comes back down to what he was doing in the minors. You're still getting the power and a little bit of speed. Could he actually improve the batting average? Exactly. What What if he hits two sixty five plus, um, two sixty five, two seventy five with thirty and ten? Because I'd yeah, I mean, I'd rather see him maybe give back a little bit of that power and then over the course of a full season he's hitting 25 plus home runs but still you know like 275 it's maybe even a cheaper odor at that point now mm-hmm. too so we, we keep scaling down from dozier to odor to to hap and frankly you know in the right scenario i wouldn't even be averse to rostering all three um you know dozier at second base odor at, at middle and then Hap in the outfield, because I do like all three. But the way it's looking right now is that Dozier just keeps getting pushed off because I want to go somewhere else because of Hap and Odor. So I really like both of them. Hap is like, my uh, Odor backup plan. Uh, yeah, great call. Totally agree. Totally agree. And then um, Nunez, second, third outfield. Love the position flexibility. Love the speed. Might not run as much with Boston. They're not as much of a running team as I think when he, he set that big number. It was with San Francisco, I believe, uh, when, he, when he popped 40 stolen bases do i have that right uh, and so you know they don't run quite as much but he did run with with 
the Red Sox. Like he will still get to run. He's got good speed. And again, I'm not sold on. Uh, oh, it was actually Minnesota and San Fran. It was 27 with Minnesota. And you and know what? I think he did most of them with Minnesota. Actually, yes, it was 27 of the 40. Uh, well, let's see what the rate would be here, though. Hang on, 13. The rate was pretty similar, though, if you if you pace it out per game. It would have been uh, – if he had played 91 games with San Francisco that year back in 2016, he would have had 24, and he had 27 in 91 games with Minnesota. So San Francisco definitely lets him run way more than Boston did. So I kind of wonder – we should kind of what, – what do we think his stolen bases will be like? I think – I mean, he's obviously not going to get 40, but I but don't then, see any not reason – Baltimore either. Yeah, I don't see any reason for them or for for him to not get twenty plus twenty to twenty five. Yeah, they, they let Benny and and Betts get their stolen bases because they have great success rates, and Nunez might not have the same success rate, but he's not he's not just a, a volume clown. Actually, he does have really good success rates, so he he I think he's going to be fine too. He'll do another twenty four that he did last year, I think at least. I mean, the so Red Sox were sixth in the major leagues in stolen bases last year. Okay, so. yeah, yeah, okay. So it's not it's not a scare situation. It's just that it was better in Minnesota and San Fran. They're more prone to running. And well, Minnesota, he was he was hitting towards the top of the lineup more often. That okay, and he's going to be hitting at the bottom of the lineup here. Uh, it's a good lineup though, so any spot in the Boston lineup is nice. Decent bat, solid batting average too. Not decent, like good, good. He's a batting average contributor, speed contributor, a little bit of punch with it. Sixteen and twelve homers the last two years. Uh, Eduardo Nunez might be a little bit underrated, if we're being honest. As I'm kind of investigating further, it's hard. I mean, do you believe the game versus lefties? Because that, I mean, that becomes the real question. He's a career two sixty three hitter against lefties. Uh, last year, hit two ninety. Ooh, okay. What was the what was was it like Babbitt fueled, or do we think there might have been some changes behind it? I mean, I don't remember any changes watching him on an everyday I, basis. I, yeah. So, I mean, I think you know part of it was a little bit of luck, and uh, you know, and part of it was, oh, you know, maybe just the. Oh. I don't, I don't know. It, he is a righty, though, so you would think righty versus lefty, there is an advantage, and he had a 257 BABIP against lefties in 2016, 208 the year before, like some killer low BABIPs. That is kind of weird for not only a, um, you know, a solid hitter, but a speed guy. Usually they can inflate their BABIP just by stealing a few hits. Um, so it was up to 316 last year, and we don't use BABIP as a luckometer. That's why I just want to see where we're at with it. Maybe not 290, but probably not the 210 it was in 2015 either so you know pop it down to 275 280 that's going to cost him a few points but you're also getting fewer plate appearances against lefties it his righties work has always been strong he's always been kind of a reverse platoon guy uh 317 295 321 against righties the last three years 291 career nunez really solid because even when Pedroia comes back. Yes, he's going to play. They're not going to bench Pedroia. They're going to let him play um, when he's available. But that's, he's just going to bounce around the field, giving guys days off and getting his playing time that way. Uh, so Nunez should be a fine investment. And I think that concern with the playing time is baked into the cost. Because if he had a 1,000% guaranteed job, I think he would be pick 100 
right? I think it'd be two rounds more expensive. And then triple eligibility helps in every league format, but especially in deeper leagues. So 15 teamers love a guy with triple eligibility. I'm kind of selling myself on Nunez. It wasn't that I was against him. It was kind of a, he was a little bit off my radar sort of guy because of the other guys that have been gushing over, but I like Nunez here. I wonder too, if he had signed a month earlier with Boston, whether we'd be talking about him in the other ADP groups. That's a great call. Let me do something. Let me let me shorten the time frame even more here and see if he is on the way up as that starts to take place because an ADP doesn't get counted for a league until the draft is completed. So um, no, he's actually stagnating slash moving down a little bit, which is kind of interesting. Let me do Maybe ADP. people are afraid of the playing time situation once Pedroia comes back, but I think to me, this is a signal that the Red Sox are really afraid of Dustin Pedroia. And they should be. And they, and they definitely should be. He, you know, he's older. He's had a, a myriad of injuries over the course of his career. He's not expected back till like, June. Uh, I would be petrified to run out the guys they have on that bench. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so. And I mean, that's why Nunez made, a, made, made perfect sense for mm-hmm. them. So I say draft with confidence, especially at this cost. Even his min pick, 98, which, like I said, uh, he would be average draft position of pick 100 if he had the firm job and, and had been with Boston all winter. Uh, but since he got there late, that he just recently got his min pick of 98. If he goes after this 134 ADP, whew, take that to the bank, y'all. That's that's a nice scoop. And we already talked about LeMahieu. So let's jump on to the next group here. A uh, little bit of a spread out group, but we're going to go ahead and, and group at least uh, four of them here. Paul DeYoung, 155, second and short eligibility. Jonathan VR, 175. Ian Kinsler, 184. Um, I'm not putting Austin Barnes, guys. I'm sorry. He's a catcher. <laughs> the fact that he has second base eligibility will help his playing time. But if you play him at second base, you're doing it wrong. Never play a catcher at a non-catching position. It is dumb. Okay? It is flat-out stupid. Is, is that why we didn't cover Russell Martin at third base? Correct. Okay. That is exactly why. i got to write this uh, one down. <laughs> And Scooter Jeanette, 206, and Jose Peraza, 208. So we got a little uh, five-pack there. DeYoung, VR, Kinsler, Jeanette, Peraza, go. I mean, it's it's VR, it's between VR and Kinsler for me. I mean, it's I de- it depends 100%. on what you want to believe in terms of what VR's playing time situation will be like. I think it was on this podcast where I talked just about how bad Jonathan VR's defense is. And that's yes, really what kept him from, you it know, hurts. yeah, it kept him out of the lineup in spite of the fact that he walks and, you know, and if he's not in the lineup, he's, he's going to have a hard time stealing bases. The upside is immense. I mean, obviously we saw it two years ago. Uh, in, in full force. Like you know? that is obviously the, the, the super, super upside. He's probably not going to get back there again. Let's let's be real. That's sure, easy to say. Sure, but I mean, but he there's has... a lot of wiggle room in between last year and, and 16 for Jonathan VR. I mean, he has the ability to be a top 25 player in fantasy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you're getting that at what pick? I, I, 175 on average. That's, I mean, that, how he, many guys at this min, point have that, have that upside? Yeah, even his min is 130, and so you're talking about ninth round uh, for a guy who can who can completely be game changing because he's got rabbit speed without being a, a, a blank everywhere. Like he has some pop, uh, 
some pop. And he scored 92 runs that year, uh, that big breakout year. He hit 285. Again, that's the that's the peak. Like we don't have to focus too much on that because I don't really think that that's coming back. Um, but even last year, 11 and 23 uh, wasn't good for where you drafted him. But if where you're drafting him now, if that's all he did, it wouldn't kill you. That's for sure. No, for like sure it not. would be the end of the world. So I really like him too. I totally agree that it's the decision between these two. Paul DeYoung, just listen to Monday's episode. We really broke him down. So I'm not going to go into it too much here. I do like that he is second and short. He does have pop. I don't like the plate skills. I think you have the same issue. It's the plate skills that's the concern, but he does smash the ball when he makes contact. He absolutely crushes it. So that is a benefit. Um, but I just don't like him here. There's too many other guys I like at second and short, and that's why we're not really messing with him. So uh, VR and Kinsler, you talk about Kinsler, he's gonna he's even cheaper, 184. I looked under the hood, y'all, and I didn't see anything that suggested why he should have such a low uh, Babbitt last year. It really did look like some bad luck in his favor. The plate skills were even better. Strikeout and walk rate improved. Batted ball profile was the same one that's been generating uh, worthwhile to exemplary batting averages throughout his career. He has a couple exemplary ones, uh, 296 and 288, but then mostly like a 250, 270 type of hitter. But 236, no. No, I don't see it. A 244 Babbitt for Kinsler, I, I just don't see that. Even at age 35, I don't think it was some age fall off. I think it was some bad luck. He's going to a great lineup. Age 36, love. I love ages and playing a role here in this price. I'm scooping him as a middle um, all over this, all over the joint. And I could even start him at my second base if I, you know, had some weird situation where I just I missed on Albies, I missed on Taylor, I missed on uh, Odor. You know, I miss on everybody because I keep getting trumped, and I'm stacked everywhere else. And then Kinsler's my starting second baseman. That wouldn't be the end of the world for me. I really like him atop this uh, this Trout lineup. That last comment is why you like have to buy in, even if you think there is decline in skills, even though I don't see it. And I mean, you watched him live a lot more than I did, and I'm looking at the numbers that you just mentioned, and I mean, you couldn't find a person with the same plate skills metrically uh, if you tried. I mean, his 2017-2016, exactly the same, and the only real difference is the fact that his BABIP was just way lower. And so you got to think everything kind of reverts back to what we saw in 2016, which was a guy who hit 28 home runs, 14 stolen bases, went 288, three, uh, 48, 484, and now he's going to hit in front of the best player in baseball? <laughs> not, I mean, not to say nice. Miggy wasn't, like, a great person to hit in front of, but... No, but it's Trout, man. But, I mean, still, it you know, he gets Justin Upton behind him as well. He's going to be leading off, most likely, for this team. Yeah. Um, it, it's actually insane that he is going as late as he is, and this speaks to the depth of the position and why I mentioned at the top of the show that I think second base is deeper than third base. Agreed. Agreed across the board there. And uh, we love Kinsler. So this is a great, uh, like I said, an amazing MI. And if you find yourself getting trumped on all your second baseman and he ends up being your starter, it's not the end of the world with Ian Kinsler. I know he's old, but I don't see any deterioration in the in the actual skills. Don't get hung up on that batting average. Um, there was bad luck behind it. I really believe that. And he's not even like slowing down speed wise. Speed score is virtually the same the last four years. 
and and another 14 SBs. That's the thing. He went 22 and 14 with his homers SBs in uh, 15 fewer games too. Uh, on a bad Tigers team. So it's like everything was there except the batting average. And when you do the investigation, it is, it was bad luck there. And again, I reiterate it all the time. I'm not somebody who uses BABIP as a luckometer. And I just say, well, no, too high, too low. I investigate. And he was unlucky. And uh, and not only that, I mean, he's going from the Tigers, who stole 65 bases as a team last year, to the Angels. <laughs> as a team. Yeah, that stole 136 and led all of baseball. And so, that's another reason I love him. Like, and Justin Upton. I he think could actually increase his value from 2016, and it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yep. Again, I, we're gushing over here, but it's 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 because we really like him. And the thing of it is, even if it gets like some uh, uh, sleeper in the bust bump, he's not going to go that high. The, the the ageism of the fantasy baseball community will not allow Kinsler to get too high. So even if his min pick, which is fifty picks higher at one thirty four, I take that all day. I take that yeah, all I, day. I think I would too. Like I think there's a reason I'm not necessarily going to do it when our second base ranks come out next week. There's a reason to put him over Ian Happ. Oh, absolutely, um, and and certainly have them like side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love both, but yeah, I could totally, totally see that. I'm actually really eager to see how the second base rankings go because of of the depth and and spots where you can quote unquote plant your flag and say no, no, I really like this guy over this guy. And you know, I was talking about. Um, I've talked a bit about uh, Cesar Hernandez, how I had him too low in my initial rankings or whatever, and that I am going to move him up. But there is also the fact that like part of it is just it's hard to get him above a lot of guys, and we're going to get to him in a moment. But it really just speaks to the depth. Quick word on the two Cincy guys, uh, Scooter Jeanette with his big power last year. Uh, he did have he did have some changes. He talked about it during the thirty for thirty uh, or. 30 clubs in 30 days. I know 30 for 30 is the ESPN thing. I always do that every year. I accidentally call it the same thing. Uh, but he had the big power spike, and then Peraza is a total rabbit, but a terrible, terrible hitter. What do you think of those two guys real quick? You know, I really thought that Jeanette um, – well, one, let me start off by saying I've been on the Scooter Jeanette bandwagon for years for years and last year was the year i went no i'm done with this <laughs> he i just gets, he does that i That's like i just can't do dude. it anymore um and like and i shouldn't have because like he actually improved in 2016 you're tired of it. i just you know it was just I, i'm totally done with this i'm just not gonna play this game anymore and so of course last year is the year he breaks out i really thought his adp was going to end up much higher than this considering what he did last season and so i actually think while I expect a little bit of regression, uh, I actually think he's a really fair value. He really is, right? I mean, if, if you're not buying in on Scooter Jeanette uh, because he hit 27 homers last year or whatever and you're, you're baking in some aggression, sure. But the entire industry is, like the entire fantasy baseball community is, and they have just crapped on him. And I think he, he represents a nice value too. And I, and and I think he's, great the, he's, the, like, he's the drop-down point. Like after this... This is where second base really starts to decline. Then you, yeah, you start to get into some situations. I, I, I would have Cesar Hernandez there as well. Again, we'll get to him in a moment because I do really like his skills. But I, I agree, and yeah, all the regression is baked into the price on Scooter Jeanette. Even if he goes back to 2016's 14 and eight, okay, you paid pick 206 for it. It's not killing you, and he's your middle. He's always your middle. Nobody's starting Scooter Jeanette at first base or at second base or first because he doesn't qualify. Um, but yeah, I think that 
I also think there's a reason to believe that he could hold some of these gains too and not necessarily just completely collapse. Um, I've already mentioned my feeling on rabbits. I really don't like Peraza because he's somehow a worse hitter than Billy Hamilton. He which is, is but like fantasy wise, he's not as bad as like everybody makes him out to be. I mean, I know like I there was like a ton of hype on him last year and there were people yeah. within the industry that are like, this, this guy's going to, you know, hit 10 home runs and steal 50 bases. That was foolhardy. I mean, you know, uh, where were the home runs coming from? I never saw any yeah. of that. No, it just it, people were projecting out and and going, man, look what he did in seventy two games at the major league level. You know, he hit three twenty four, uh, uh, three fifty two, four eleven. Um, you know, and it just was, it just was a little bit crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, and you know. The cool 324 average was nice, and it was it was fun to be like, yeah, he could he could be big here. Uh, Jose Peraza could, and he is still just 24, so I don't rule out actually having a rabbit year because he didn't even do that. Like he only stole 23. I'm like, if, if I'm going to let you bludgeon my average, although 259 wasn't so bad, but the 297 OBP. So if if it's OBP league, he really is bludgeoning yeah. you. Um, but if I'm going to let you kind of hurt me everywhere else, then I need 30 plus on the SBs. And I know it's only seven difference, but that – I don't know. I, I kind of have a threshold there where I need the 30-plus. I just don't mess with him, but I will say this. Here's the issue. Is well, and, I mean, here's the issue with him is the Reds are – and I think it's a ridiculous thing that they're doing. Like, I, Oh, yeah. But they're, 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 they're playing Nick Senzel at shortstop. <laughs> this, this is <laughs> not going to end well, and why mess with your top prospect and why try not? to – Try to make him play the most difficult defensive position in the game while he's while he's coming up. Uh, Senzel is like bat is bad as ready, um, and if it wasn't for the fact that they're messing around with him, there would be a real chance he could be up early on in the year. But this all this does is extend Senzel's playing time because it or uh, or, or arrival time because he's not coming up now till mid season. Uh, and because he has to learn short at AAA. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's a it's a really stupid thing. If they, if they want to move Peraza off a of short, just put Suarez there, a guy who's actually played it at some point in his career. See, I I agree with that. And then let Senzel play third. Like yeah. don't don't put a guy who, like second or third baseman at short. That's that, yeah, so, that's it, which may end up happening at the end of the day. Um. You know they're gonna try Senzel there uh, and and see if he can handle it, but ultimately I think Senzel's home is at third base. Suarez probably shimmies over uh, to shortstop, and Peraza becomes a super utility guy, which means the chances that he can get to thirty stolen bases without getting five hundred plate appearances is gonna be difficult. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. That's fair. But again. Even if he does last last year, the price isn't too bad. So as much as I don't love Peraza, you're not being taxed. The market has said, okay, we, we were a little overzealous, and now is probably the time to buy. If you if you loved him, you definitely got to buy back in because now your guy is cheaper. Don't run away now if you if you were a believer. But uh, if you never really liked him and you're kind of like me, then it's like it's hit or miss. He's only 23 uh, years old too. Yeah, super super young. All right, so next up, we got another jump down a couple rounds here um, to Chris Owings at 234, Jason Kipnis, 254, uh, Cesar Hernandez, 261, Josh Harrison, 271, and then let's go ahead and fit in Young Irvis Solarte at 279. So we got uh, Owings, Kipnis, Cesar Hernandez, 
Josh Harrison, Solarte. A lot of middles here for sure. We're definitely in, firmly in middle range. And, and like I said, we probably were. Uh, most people, even before Kinsler, you and I could could finagle him as a starting second baseman in a in a worst case scenario. But we have multi eligible guys here. Owings has second short outfield. Harrison second and third. Uh, Solarte second short third. Uh, and then Kipnis and Hernandez second only. But uh, you know Kipnis having a major major uh, spring surge right now. And I mentioned Cesar Hernandez a little bit underrated in terms of you know 378 I think as his OBP of the last two years. Good little base stealer should be at the top of a decent lineup. They're not a, an amazing lineup in Philly, but they're not bad. Who's your favorite of this group? Owings, Kipnis, Hernandez, Harrison, Solarte. Mm, I mean, it was going to be Chris Owings. But Arizona doesn't seem to like him very much. Uh, yeah, they're kind of off him, huh? Like I, I don't, I don't get why either. They're they're gonna make him a super utility guy, it appears, and they're gonna play Nick Ahmed at short. Defense, baby. Oh God! But that just you know <laughs> he was he was on he was starting to put together just an amazing season. Ninety seven games, three hundred eighty six really plate appearances, twelve home runs, twelve stolen bases, two sixty eight. Average like it. This was a guy who was getting ready to break out before. Owings, not a med, by the yes, way. Yes, Owings before uh, before getting hurt um, and missing virtually. I think the rest of the season, right? So I mean, yeah, uh, it's it's so is, frustrating. He always gets hurt, so yeah. it's like I totally agree because I've been a, I've been an Owings backer multiple times, and I was I was back in this year or you know in seventeen, so I was psyched. This was great. Um, you know, I had the huge April. And and really kept it going nicely into May and, and June, and then um, July started to fall off, and then boom, he's hurt, and the season was over. And you know, again, injuries up and down his career. He has a 147 uh, game career high back in 15, but then hasn't played 120 in any other season. He's only going to be 26. That's still not that's not ancient by any stretch of the imagination. But um, you know, the way the fall off happened in the final two months of his season is that he was tracking Owings was with like a 355 OBP. His last two months were so bad that he wound up at 299. So that's like, that's really bad. And he has a career 295. So, you know, I like the triple eligibility. There's a little punch. There's some speed. He's a really good uh, base stealer from a, an efficiency standpoint. So he should be able to run as much as, as he can handle. But I wonder if that also puts him into danger health-wise as well, and I don't know. I think there's just too many options where I'm going elsewhere here. I, I, I'm a little bit off the, the Chris Owings train because he just keeps getting hurt, and there's a guy in this group I keep talking about, Cesar Hernandez, that I would rather take even without the positional flexibility. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Hernandez, to your point, three straight seasons of at least 15 stolen bases and over a 370 on on-base percentage. Love that. So he, you know, he could be running even more. Going to lead they, off for the Phillies, who are improving their lineup every year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like, I like him a lot. Um, and I, I got a little pushback when I did my second baseman on Hernandez. They're like, hey, you know, pretty low on Hernandez. And I was like, you know what? I am good call. Appreciate the comments. I need to move him up, and I'm going to. I don't know how high. It's going to be tough to get him too high, 
Uh, but I definitely need to be higher and 294 each of the last two years as well, along with that 372 uh, OBP. So a lot to like out of Hernandez hit nine homers with 15 stolen bases in almost 30 fewer games than 2016 when he went six and 17 with the homers and stolen bases. So uh, 20, age 28. We could actually see another jump here, uh, even though he's kind of an established guy with 1,907 plate appearances. Cesar Hernandez, a really nice uh, middle infield. Let's Here's talk the, Real oh, quick before we move on from Cesar Hernandez, there's one downside that we're not acknowledging. Flying the ointment? Is it is it a guy we're going to talk about soon, or is there something yeah, else? Yeah, it's the guy we're going to talk about in a little bit, and that's, that's Scott Kingery, and we'll get more into Scott Kingery um, but uh, a little bit later, but he's the top prospect for, for second base in the Phillies organization, um, and he's ready. I mean, he, you know. For sure. The the Phillies are trying him out at other positions. Tried him out at third base last year. I, I read that they're going to try him out in center yes, uh, as well. So I, I think they should because you can't just cast aside a, a Cesar no. Hernandez, I don't think. I really thought that they'd move Hernandez to a different position, but the fact that they're willing to move uh, Kingery – I think speaks volumes about what they think about Hernandez. So if you're worried that Kingery is going to come up uh, at some point, and I love Kingery, um, I think it looks like they are going to do everything they can to keep Cesar Hernandez in second base and leading off for the Phillies. Mm -hmm. You know who this puts a big onus on, and we'll get to him at shortstop. Or actually, no, we, we covered him at third because he actually is only third eligible right now, and that's J.P. Crawford. And it's going to put I some onus on him to click right away. Or I else think it's... It's uh, Franco. Oh yeah, Franco definitely has some some burden on him as well because because they could start moving guys over to third and and uh, end up pushing him out to get Kingery Hernandez and J P Crawford in there. So I think both Franco is probably on the clock more. You're right because he's been around much longer. Crawford's just getting his career started. He was an uber prospect and a great and defensive player. Exactly, and and you want to have that at shortstop. And as much as I love Michael Franco. Come on, man! You know, do the the Judge Judy meme where she like taps on her wrist, like "Let's go, it's time, man!" And you're going down. You're going 130, 94, 81 on your OPS plus. You're playing 152, 154 games the last two years, and you are just 25. So there there is still some glimmer of hope for Michael Franco, but it's kind of a do or die situation. And um, you know, he might get a month, and if he's not performing, then. You know, maybe King Reed comes up at third. Maybe you move Cesar over to third. You know, th there's going to be maneuverability, and they have pieces. So I, I appreciate that you brought up the King Reed piece for sure. Uh, that does put a little tinge on Cesar, but that's also built into the price at 261. So even if something like that does happen, you're not sunk. Uh, let's talk about Kipnis. I've never really been a Kipnis guy. I just feel like he's always hurt, although he isn't as hurt as much as I thought because he 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 uh, he did go no DL stints in 2016. For some reason, I thought he had like a DL stint every single year at least. He had three last year, though. That hamstring was just eating him alive. He had a shoulder early on. I think I know why I've never been a Kipnis guy, though. It's because Kipnis and Kinsler were always kind of paired together in the rankings, and I was always going Kinsler. And it wasn't just because it was a, a Tigers thing, because it was even when he was in Texas, I just liked him better. Kipnis did have a great breakout 2016, uh, a re-breakout, I should say, because he was 
really good in 12 and 13. But then 14, 15 were pretty blah. And then, boom, 23 yaks in, in 16 with 15 stolen bases, 275 average. But then last year, back down again, 12 and 6, 232 with all the injuries. So you can wash it out a little bit. But it's age 31 with a, an extensive injury history, seven DL stints, six DL stints, excuse me. Most for the hamstring, by the way. Um, and shoulder like they're consistent they're they're nagging consistent injuries i know he has six homers out of nine hits nice Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's (laughs) you know that's that's like a signature significant sort of thing even in spring training to be crushing that much but you know who else has popped a bunch of homers in spring training before the aforementioned michael franco (laughs) he loves doing it so like it it's not insignificant it's not you know completely irrelevant to pop a bunch of homers in spring but it's also not a harbinger that like you're going to stay healthy and that's the biggest concern with kipnis i don't even think anybody really questions his skills if you could turn off injuries and give him a buck 45 but uh, it's just not for me man and i'm worried that this will push up the hype a little bit and it's not going to be obscene because he's at 254 like how much could it really push him up but he did set his new mid pick in that uh, 10 team cut line i did when scott swan Swane took him at pick 170, and I'm not doing that. Oh, see, I, I have a mint pick here of 169, so uh, nice. yeah, uh, I'm kind of with you on Kipnis. It'd be one thing if he was still a threat to steal 20 bases, and that just doesn't seem to be the case anymore. You look at his speed scores; they've you know, and it's not just last year with the the hamstring. It was prior to that. I mean, he's just been. Uh, he's been slowly getting slower. And so, I mean, that really lowers the floor a little bit. Uh, the health is obviously a huge issue with him. Can he stay on the field uh, for 140 games this year? Ooh, 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 call on me. I'm raising my hand. I know yeah. the answer. Ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh. Paul. No. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you know, so I mean, like, I- I'm looking at a guy who's got a ceiling of 20 home runs and six or seven stolen bases. That's fine. Which, yeah, it's it's not bad. But if that's the ceiling, that's not yeah. what I want. I'll go Hernandez. I'll get back on the Owings train. I'll take either of the other two guys in this little grouping, Harrison or Solarte. Mm-hmm. There's just so many other avenues I'm going. Let this spring training hype, you know, let that helium go and don't take him. Uh, don't take Kipnis. I will I, say I, I, I thought he would be older than 31. I thought so too, to be quite honest, uh, because I did remember like when he was first breaking out back in 2012, and I was like, you know, he's been around for a while, but you know, 31, but you know, mileage, you know, we're, we're, we're approaching 4,000 plate appearances with gobs of injuries, and again, chronic shoulder and hamstrings. So it's just a no for me. You did your thing, dog, but it's a no for me, as Randy Jackson would say. I'm out. Uh, Harrison and Salarte, who who do you like better? Harrison, Harrison for me. Flexibility guys. Uh, is it because he has a little speed to go with his, you know, um, playing time and flexibility? Yeah, and I think uh, he's not going to be in uh, Pittsburgh for very long. It's the last year of his contract. Uh, on a better team. So yeah, he could end up in a much better uh, ballpark situation. Um, I, I worry about the health with Solarte as well. Uh, hasn't gotten to 130 games played at the major league level the last two seasons. So I think that, that to me, you know, he, he's really nice if he's your, you know, if he's your reserve or bench guy because he can cover so much ground as a backup, especially in daily move league. But I, I don't want him as a starter anywhere. There was, hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a break on 
didn't his wife pass away unexpectedly in 16? Isn't that why he oh. missed time? I don't think it was health on Solar. I, I believe you're right, actually. And his wife died of cancer, mm-hmm. you know, which was horrible, of course. And that contributed a lot to his 109 games played in 16. So I'm going to give him a pass there. Um, last year, he did have a health situation. He uh, had a strained oblique. And that uh, that cost him a month, a month plus, actually, five weeks. And so that was, a, that was a deal for sure. And he had his worst season yet, 94 OPS plus. But on 16, I gave him a pass. He was grieving. He was on the bereavement list for a long time. And you can understand that. Just fucking horrible, horrible thing. So, um, you know, goes over to Toronto now. Going to kind of, you know, I wonder how much of, like, when you do have a, a high impact event like that, it happens in your life, a death in the family, like when Gene Segura had his son drown, when like when he lived in Milwaukee, like changing scenery. I wonder if that ever helps anything. Like you're never going to forget, right? Obviously, never. But does kind of like moving and and not associating everything, you know, going back to the mm-hmm. same house where you lived and maybe kind of moving to a new situation. Do you think that that helps a scenario like that? Um. I, I would have to think it does. Uh, I mean, to be living in the house that, uh, you know, you shared with, with your wife, um, you know, that, uh, that, that's got to have some sort of impact seeing her stuff. So, so yeah. I mean, and I, we're not t- trying to diminish it and be like, we got to get these fantasy numbers up. So no. let's get them out of San Diego. I'm just one, you know, I'm even more wondering from just the human element of like, would you want to move on from that situation? Like, uh, I think I will say he's... though, like his, you know, l- looking up kind of just the the history with his wife. His wife died at the end of the season. He only missed about six days worth of games because of that. So I, I think he was also injured uh, quite a Wait. bit that season. No, I think. I got and he was with her while she was sick because I got personal okay. reasons bereavement list from the 27th of June or of okay. July, August 1st, and then again from August 1st um, uh, until 9-16, at least according okay. here to Pro, Pro Sports Transactions. So she, okay, so he, 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 he might have been taking with care her, of her. But he did have a strained hamstring as well, and that cost him a month at the at the beginning of the season. So there was injury as well, but I think it's both. I don't think it was just – I, uh, the bottom line is I don't think all 50 games that he missed, 52 games or whatever it was, Listen, was I, all injury. For, I mean, I couldn't imagine, you know, uh, having to show up to work after losing my wife or while while I was losing my wife. Like dealing, yeah, dealing like, with that. Like um, imagine doing it in front of, you know, 30,000 people. The fact that he was raking, you know, and like being able to go to the yard and and, and put up numbers and then come home and and take care of that. I mean, that just speaks to to what Solarte was able to do in 16. And then last year, you know, he was was all right. He's about average, but um, wasn't over the top with his performance. Maybe 30. But also, like, I mean, you know, how much of last year's struggles uh, were due to, you know, a carryover effect. I mean, he's now got to be a single father. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, you know, it's he's got to figure out where his kids are or what what's going to go on with his kids while he's on the road. If you know the impact on them, I mean, there's a lot of things that are off the field that we can't quantify just by looking at the numbers. So I think you know, hopefully, a move to a different city gives him a, a breath of uh, fresh air, and uh, he deserves it. Yeah, he, des- he deserves a, a break. I mean, by all accounts, he's, he's an amazing human being. So. 
he always it always seems to draw rave reviews. I, I know when he had that first breakout with the Yankees, he was a real big fan favorite and a team favorite. And uh, I didn't ever heard anything bad about him in San Diego. I actually have a friend who is kind of associated with the team and, and had positive things to say about Solarte. So, um, yeah, I think he's a solid pickup in, in Toronto, uh, triple eligibility. I, I prefer Harrison as well. I think it's mostly the speed, but you go Solarte as your middle. It's not the end of the world there. And we took him as our utility in, uh, in labor mixed and I, I was pretty happy with it. All right. Uh, we're going to make a bigger group here and then, and then we'll get over to shortstop Starling Castro at two ninety one. The aforementioned Scott Kingery at three Oh two. As Drupal Cabrera, 315. Uh, Jose Reyes, 334. Brandon Drury, 344. Colton Wong, 369. Nice. And then uh, we'll cut it there, and then and then we'll go with the free-for-all after that. So we got Castro, Kingery, As Drupal, Jose Reyes, Drury, and Wong. Who do you like here? <clears throat> I kind of like all of them. You yeah, they're all, they're all pretty they, – they all have their virtues for sure. The two bets – are, are both uh, second, short, third. I told you what Reyes did last year. He was a top 80 player, and he's being taken three, 334 right now. And, like, that's a lot of wiggle room. Like, you don't have to repeat mm-hmm. to, to be worth that. I mean, and I know part of that is he was unsigned time. for so long and then yes. now playing time with Frazier. But, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have to do much to get you back your value at that, at that price. Exactly, and he can kind of play everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. They they can mess around with him in the outfield if they want, um, let alone every infield position. So you know he can go everywhere as Drupal Cabrera. He's pretty solid. Kingery, we talked about Starling Castro on an island out there in Miami. Well, not not a total island. He got Bohr and 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 mm-hmm. Real Muto. They got a couple of good hitters left still. Does he make it the whole year there? Or do you think he's traded? Mm. I I I. I hope he's traded. You I hope know, for his sake, he's traded. But I yeah. actually don't think he's going to be. I think no, he's going to kind of ride it out. Why would they? They've got him at a fairly afraid, uh, affordable price for the next few years. Um, you know, it's not like they have anything pushing him off the position in the in the minor leagues. Uh, I don't even think they have minor league teams, right? They sold those too. They don't have any minor <laughs> league teams, so might as well. <laughs> Why not? Uh, he was having a great year last year, too, really. Mm-hmm. Um, 16 homers, 300 batting average in, in 112 games. Injuries kind of cut him down. And what sucked is this kind of goes to that point of like durable guys are only durable till they're not mm-hmm. because he had a buck 51, buck 51 the two previous years and never played fewer than 151 except once, one time. That was a poorly constructed sentence only once had he played <laughs> fewer than 151 in a full season because uh, i'm not counting his rookie year when he came up later but it was 158 162 161 134 151 151 super durable super durable then he gets hurt and so it's like he, he can never predict that he played 112 he was still good i think even in in crappy miami um you know with boy real muto behind him he'll be high volume in the middle of a lineup even a bad lineup not a bad pick. I mean, super, super cheap here. Like this is, this is a a net positive pick in almost any scenario. Like this cannot hurt you at all. Yeah, I mean, in NL only, especially, I love him. Um, mm-hmm. As long as you're in one of those leagues that, like, if you get traded to the American League, you don't lose the you guy don't lose him. Yeah, because yeah, there yeah. is all, all, obviously the chance being in Miami that he's not in Miami. Um, you know, at, at any you know, at any point, someone offers them 
anything. Uh, they, they may they may jump on it. Uh, like you and I have both said before, I, I think he stays in Miami for the full season. Uh, but uh, I, I think he's just like one of those really high floor guys. Like you know he's gonna hit two seventy five at least, and he's probably gonna hit sixteen to twenty home runs and you know score some runs, get some RBIs. It's 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 nothing sexy, but it's uh it's one of those guys you can kind of pencil in a, a certain stat line and feel pretty confident you're gonna get it. Yep, I completely agree. Um, and I, I definitely like him at this cost. It just, again, can't hurt you. Drury getting some buzz. Um, actually has a min pick of 138. Holy yeah, that's that's hell. someone buying in the Yankee boost, which... And and maybe thinking he's a lefty. Oh my god! Like that, I've been a Drury guy. Like I, I dug him in in uh, Arizona last year. He was definitely a big time reserve pick for me in a lot of uh, mixed leagues and stuff like that. And and now I had him as a, a middle. But like, holy crap! No way, dude. One thirty eight. That's insane. Uh, Three forty four. That's nice. And he's gonna bounce around a little bit. I think he'll play some second and third in New York. Uh, but, he, but he's going from like one good park to another, though. So yeah. it's not even like this park's going to greatly inflate him. I think he. I think the hype could go a little bit too far here with Brandon Drury. And that's the thing for me. It's like, like I know the humidor is coming to Arizona, but it wasn't there last wasn't there. year. Yeah. Like, like where? Like where is this huge boost in in park factor that he's supposed to get? He, he's going to be the he's same guy that he's always been, which is yeah. interesting and in. AL only. Um, it's nice because he can move around at different positions. Usually, though, he's only coming into the season uh, with eligibility at, at second, I believe. Yeah. So but he can go second, third, and a corner outfield if they need him. Like he can bounce exactly. around for them. So, but uh, I, I'm not going to have any shares. I don't think this year. Now, even even though this the average draft position isn't that that uh, that high, and I don't think he's going to regularly go anywhere near 138. I just there's other guys I like, so no thanks. Colton Wong, a guy I have believed in in the past, but I've I've moved on from him. Um, I think he did pretty well last year, though. The, this is tells you how much I didn't have him last year because I can't remember. I think he hit like 300 though, uh, 285. So that was you know a career career year from a batting average standpoint, but but a combined 12 homers plus stolen bases. Yes, it was 108 games, but even if you extrapolate, like you're not getting anywhere near the uh, 32 that he had back in 2014, or even the 26 that he had back in in 2015. So. Pretty empty batting average, and hey, batting average is tough to find late. But do you believe in Colton Wong's batting average surge, and, and do you like him at all? Um, I buy the batting average surge, and okay. if you, you know, this is one of the reasons we don't talk about like str- spring training stats, uh, you know, in, in depth, you know, unless it's something that we really feel he's going to stick. Is he stolen, I think, six bases already in spring training? Yeah, he's six for seven. He's just running yeah, wild. He's just running right now. And so, I mean, maybe there, maybe we see a little bit of an uptick in stolen bases, but like, I'm not going to say this guy is now, oh, maybe he's stealing 20 bags. No, I mean, he's a nice little NL-only piece. Uh, you know, usually we'll get multi-position eligibility, but I think he's coming into the year with just second base. Um, so... You know, NL only, poor, fine. D- poor man's DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, and maybe like, you know, in your 50-round draft and holds, if you're still doing any of those, um, yeah. or in like a deeper best ball type league, um, sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's perfectly perfectly states it. Okay, um, handful of guys here. You pick your favorite and the, and a couple favorites if you want, and then we'll move on to shortstop. Dev, Devon Travis, three eighty two. Adalberto Mondesi, three eighty five, aka Raul Mondesi Jr. Joe Panic, three ninety one. Uh, Dustin Pedroia, 398. Adam Frazier, 422. Logan Forsyth, 430. Uh, Brandon Phillips and Jed Lowry, 434. Neil Walker, unsigned, 452. Um, I don't really need to keep going. Who, who do you like? A couple guys here. Uh, you didn't keep going, so I'm going to take Logan Forsyth um, on the off chance that injuries get him enough plate appearances that he can recoup his value. I know he's a starter. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Austin Barnes situation, the fact that he can't catch right now mm-hmm. is a little bit troublesome for Forsyth because if they're going to try to get Barnes in the lineup, it's going to be at the expense of, of Forsyth. But he can play sh- he can against play- righties yeah, too, because Forsyth doesn't hit righties very well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a little bit troublesome. But if any of these guys are going to break out, I'm going to bank it's the guy that I've seen do it before. Um, you know, I, I want to say it's Mondesi, but the Royals don't like him, and they're going to send him down no, they... to Triple A to start the year. Um, when well, they brought back, freaking... exactly, uh, Alcides. Mm-hmm. So, like Boy. that ruins his playing time because you're not gonna you're not gonna bench uh, Merrifield after what he did last year. No, he gets um, a long leash. They just signed John Jay. So uh, they're not going to move. Uh, they're not going to move Merrifield back into the outfield now. So like they are just doing everything they can to block Mondesi, uh, yeah. which limits his upside. If he got full time playing time and they just let him go, just you know, I was geeking on him before yeah. they started making these moves. I was like, yes, give me this late mm-hmm. because he could steal. Like he could legitimately steal like thirty plus. I think it's even higher than that. Like I was gonna say, four, dang it! I yeah, I like that you agree because I was actually gonna be ballsy and say forty, but I chickened out and said thirty plus. Yeah, but yeah, but not now because there's no playing time. Like the playing time could open, but he is still just twenty two as well, though. So in, in, I'll give them a little bit of a break and be like, okay, it's not like they're no, wasting. Don't give them a break. Players. Don't give them a break. Don't let them off the hook. This is a ridiculous premise. I mean, he is I, well, especially for where they are. They should just like. He, What's he going to prove? Like, it was only 85 games, sure. But his whole trip, like, 85 last year, uh, where he went 305, 345, 39, Mondesi did with 13 and 21. But he has 99 games there for his career, and he's 305, 338, 538. What's he got left to prove there? At such a young age to be rocking Triple A like that. And yeah, his he clock has started. Like, yeah, so what are, you, what are you waiting for? There's no service time games to be played here. This isn't a situation where they can get an extra year of control by sending him down. The only reason you send him down is if he's not ready. And, like, what else is is he supposed to go, you know, 300, 400, 500 before you're going to bring him up from no, AAA? No, 400, I mean, 500, 600. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, dude, dude hit 13 home runs and stole 21 bases in 357 plate appearances last year. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I really don't. I really thought he was going to get a chance. This team sucks. So why don't you give a 22 year old a full chance to see what he's made of, a top prospect, and uh, and give us a little fantasy goodness in the uh, at the same time, clowns. But yeah, so it's someone I'm still kind of like, okay, 50 round draft and hold for mm-hmm. sure, just just in case. Al only. Yes, but right now it's blocked, and that's why it's tough. 
Travis is always hurt. I just I'm I'm so out. I know it's built into the price. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like this is not going to play. Joe Panic. I said uh, Wong was a poor man's um, DJ LeMayhew. So is Panic, and he's even cheaper. And batting average is so hard to find late that I still really do like Joe Panic. I still see like a like a three ten year at some point where he just plays I, the full year. I mean, he ha- he's had a three ten year session, yeah. but it was a hundred games. I'm talking like a full year of three ten plus. With like ten homers and six stolen bases, that would not be sexy. The homers and steals, but the batting average would be. And I, I just, I really like Joe Panic. I hate Joe Panic. Oh, and you're I, stupid. Yeah, and like, I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to any of my podcasts because one, he's a he's giant. So yeah, he's a giant, and uh, he he's a very good looking man. And I can say that I'm comfortable saying that. It's sharp, uh, Jen. Yeah, not, yeah. I wasn't kidding when I said he's he's yeah. He's cute. And my, ladies think he's so cute. He he is. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, if you're going to be this kind of player that is about uh, average only, because, I mean, really, that's what he is. He's an average only guy. He's a base hitter, yeah. You know, and he and he hits at the top of the Giants lineup. There, I think Ross Resource has him projected for second, which is insane to me. Don't get, don't get me they started. Him, they got him projected for first. But let, let's hear okay. you besmirch this man, because I'm not hearing anything wrong yet. If, you, if you're going to be this kind of steal your wife. <laughs> you're going to be this kind of player, you have to stay healthy. You have to play every day. You got to be a compiler. Make yourself stay healthy, though. Like. You have to be, and you know, um, it's just one of those things. Like, dude can't stay on the field, and there have been, you know, rumors in in the Bay Area for years that the Giants' doctors do not think that he will hold up physically. He's it's got concussions a back, the last two no, years. He's though. had a back. He's had a. He has some sort of back issue. Back. That, that was in 15. Mm-hmm. The back was in 15, and then concussions the last two years. I understand that as a as a pushback on like, okay, he's not going to play the full season of a you know of 150 plus games and give you that batting average, but that's more than baked into the price. I still think that you know at least the games are going up 100, 127, 138. He's he, he's inching his way, and this is the year that he plays 152 and and gets uh, 650 plate appearances, 600 at bats, and it's a. Uh, and it's it, it's a three such an unattractive average. profile for someone who's so good looking. Oh just goodness. be better. How is it any different than DJ LeMahieu? Much much cheaper. I mean, you're getting a huge volume of games where you're not necessarily getting that with. Well, it's built into the price. Mm. I'm just saying. But you're right. I mean, like to be DJ LeMahieu proper. He has to play. Lemayhew's 149, 150, 146, 155. I get that. But it is right there. I really do see it. The concussion thing is concerning. Why is it, what's with the concussions with, with him and Panic, uh, Panic and Bell? Like, I think you're giving them the concussions because you don't like either of the guys, and they just so happen to be concussed all the time. What are you doing to these guys? As a guy who's had uh, way too many concussions from high school and college football, uh, yeah, I, I feel for them because that's – not something I would scary. want to deal with. Like, yeah. um, it's uh, it's scary. I mean, it ended Morneau's career. Morneau, Corey Koski. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not something Matheny, to be trifled I mean, with at all. Yeah, Matheny was a big one as well. So, no, 
it's definitely not something to be trifled with. I, I agree with that. We're not trying to make light of it. Um, but yeah, I, I still like Panic. He's so cheap. There are formats. I could definitely see him being an in-season pickup in mixed leagues too if he does start to play and he is batting at the top of the lineup. But uh, your, your points about the volume are, are well taken. One guy I will make a mention of just because he had 49 doubles last year and 14 homers is Jed Lowry. Talking about a guy who can't stay healthy though. I mean, you look up and down. He's only been over 100 games three times, including once last year at age 33 it's not a reasonable bet to suggest that age 34 he's going to go back to back uh you know 135 plus um and that would even give him like a 20 game break from last year so but it is dirt dirt cheap AL only best ball so some stuff like that because i can see him getting hot and being great for like a month and then he gets hurt and you're like damn so stuff like that like format distinct uh you could see jed lowry but uh you know mixed leagues it's really hard because there's so much depth all right two more guys i want to mention before we move over to shortstop okay. uh one brad miller is a season removed away from just a monster year and injuries were yep. an issue last year uh they're gonna play him at first at times uh, when they don't have C.J. Cron at first. Um, so he's going to get multi-position eligibility. Um, 2016 definitely looks like the outlier, but I also don't think he is like a 10-home run guy. This exactly. is like a 20-home run bat. I completely agree. So um, I'm with you on, on Brad Miller. That's a good one. Um, and you, I, think, I think you can write off a lot of last year to injuries and, mm-hmm. and say like, if if there's a reasonable expectation of health this year, if he is, you know, keep an eye on his health. I don't think there's any been any health issues so far in spring. Um, no, as so far you, as I know. If we're not seeing him be hurt right now, then he's going to be a full-time player or, you know, sit down against lefties every once in a while. But I think he's going to get – oh, just as I say that, we'll be shut down with a toe for the next couple of days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Come uh, on, Brad. But anyway – the price is there. He could hit 25, and it's free. And, I mean, speaking of guys that are free, uh, you know, we talked a lot already this episode about Joe Madden screwing with your fantasy players. It's because yeah. he has Ben Zobra still on Bezo. the roster. And you know you know he's going to get 450 you know. plate appearances. You know his boy is out there playing. Yeah, so, like, again, really deep formats, NL only. Um, it's not a sexy profile anymore, but I mean, there's no reason to think he can't hit double-digit home runs, steal a handful of bags, and hit 255. So bounce back from last year because he did have a 251 BABIP, which was a career worst. The plate skills—it's almost Kinsler-asking that the plate skills were intact. There was no real reason to believe that he should have been so low on everything, even like his 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 soft, medium, hard contact, his pull center oppo, his line. Line drive, ground ball, fly ball, all of it was intact, and yet this 251 Babip just stands out as like, hmm, that doesn't really make any sense. So I'm with Jan Zobris, and he's free. So uh, we like him there, second in outfield as well. Deep, deep leagues. Uh, again, somebody I could see a lot of people picking up in season because it's going to be a name they know, and if he gets going a little bit, you're going to be like, okay, I'll go ahead and jump back on the Zobris train for a couple-week fill-in here and there. So, okay, that's going to wrap up second base. Let's jump over to shortstop. Another intriguing position for sure. Another another one that starts off with a guy kind of on his own island here. So we'll talk Trey Turner for a moment. I know we're both very high on him up at the top. He has a min pick of two. So there has been a draft where uh, it wasn't Trout Altuve. And I'm sorry, that was wrong. Like that doesn't make any sense because a, 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 a full, like a major Trey Turner season, uh, how is it better than 
Altuve or Trout in terms of composite value, and they've already done it multiple times. So that just doesn't make any sense. You're trying too hard to be cute and 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 get your flashy pick there. I, I can't mess with that. But he does have an average draft pick of five. He's regularly going four. Trey Turner, your thoughts? Go ahead, sir. He's my number three. I, I did know that, and I, he's my number four. So we're right there. We're fine with it right after those two, but for me, it's just those two are so clear, Trout, Altuve, and then you can try to do Turner, and I, I go Arenado, then Turner, but I don't begrudge folks that put him third. It's a weird thing to say, but, I mean, it's the it's the floor versus uh, the ceiling argument. I mean, <laughs> what Turner did in less than 100 games last year it was absolutely absurd. Twice now, like because he did it in 73 games in the call-up in 2016. So, you know, we still haven't seen over 100 games from this guy in the majors, but what he's done in his two samples so far has been so scintillating that you really understand why. Because even if he did only 11 and 46 again, because here's the thing too, 11 and 46 in 98 games, plus you got to fill in that roster spot with with plenty of playing time and just tack that on to it. But... um yeah, the the sky is so high on this guy. I mean, you, you like a dream scenario of like a three hundred twenty fifty is just like not even. Yeah, I mean, it's the fifty might even be selling. Like, I mean, he did have like twenty two stolen bases in a month, and that's pretty, um, you know, outlierish. So we. I don't know that we can start extrapolating steals too much and say, well, he's going to steal 80 or 70, you know, but I do think 50 plus. Like, I don't think 60 is. It's not. Out of the question. Nope, it's um, really not. Which is why, you know, which why I have him at three, because, like, you know, if I was being reasonable, I'd go, well, shortstop is actually theoretically deeper than third base. It, it out-earned third base last year in a 15-team mixed league. And it's star laden at the top for yeah, sure. Yeah, and there's just so many guys that you know you'd love to start your team out with. Um, so really, Arenado should be three, and, and Turner should be four. But I think you're just you're you're, you're pulling straws, you know, at this point. Yeah, and I, and I and I get it that people want to do that. I, I personally go the other way, but like I don't think it's completely out of bounds to do it. So all right, let's jump down end of the first round into the second. Then you start looking at Carlos Correa at 15, Francisco Lindor at 21, Alex Bregman at 31. Let's let's cut it there and talk about those three, and then we'll get to Corey Seager, kind of as a solo situation. Um, I love Correa at 15. I would take him as high as his min pick, which is five. I can I can get behind it. I don't always take him there. I like Betts, Harper, Correa kind of interchangeably. It's almost kind of how I'm feeling that given day. I don't have a set five that I would take, but I, I could see myself taking Correa that high. Like I, I think a transcendent season is coming. Uh, I love him at 15, and he's why I'm not afraid of a late pick. If my, if my KDS, my Kentucky Derby style, if I don't get my – my primary picks and I wind up at the back end. Although I, I put 15 pretty high to be quite honest, but if I get that and Correa's there, Oh my God, sign me up. And then you got Lindor and Bregman as well. So how do you feel about this trio? Okay. So this is where we're going to have some, some, an interesting discussion because I don't understand why Carlos Correa is a first rounder. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I understand, I understand the argument. I understand why people are making the argument, but dude's not running. Okay. Let's we didn't it. run once. 
Well, he's a middle of the he's a middle of the order bat now. This isn't you know okay. they're not putting him leading off or in the or in the two hole with with the lineup is currently constructed. He attempted three stolen bases all season last year, hundred and nine games. There there's a real shot that we're going to see him be a power guy. And and don't get that's me wrong, funny. it's it is it, it's great, but. I want. I'd rather have Francisco Lindor, and that's crazy to me because I've always been the low guy on Francisco Lindor. Why have you been the low guy? We'll get to that in a minute because that's because I, I never too. I never believed the 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 power profile was real. You know, because he was never supposed to be a power guy. I, I'm bought in now. You know, I was wrong. I can I can I can definitely admit when I'm wrong. I, I make a lot of acclaims, and then sometimes they don't work <laughs> out. <laughs> J.D. Martinez. Here's uh, the thing. If you can't admit you're wrong in this industry, don't be in it because mm-hmm. you're going to be wrong a lot. It's not about yeah. being 100% because literally nobody – it's impossible to be 100%. So just swallow your pride and be like, yep, I got that one wrong. But my, if your process is, is you know, where it's supposed to be, then you're, you're, you're going to be fine. But anyway um, – Give, give me the guy. Give me the guy that went thirty three fifteen last year. Has shown the ability to steal twenty plus bags. Um, you know, over the guy that has has never even come close to stealing that many. Uh, has had issues. You know, had issues staying on the field last year. I, I understand why everybody's so tantalized by Carlos Correa. The skills 30. themselves are amazing, but. 335 110 110 like i don't need stolen bases at that point like I, i'm good yeah i just don't i don't i don't see it i don't i just i, I don't know what's being missed like I, I don't like like what's the difference between him and like chris bryant who's going like right around him at pick 15 or 14 mm. yeah i bryant gets a few extra bags yeah that, but, i mean it's the stolen also, bases yeah, I'm not going to quibble. First off, we don't know that that Cray is not running no, and, and one no. year. We, yeah, you're right. And, and then and so that's he can the... do the seven eight steals of of Bryant as well. And then you're back to saying three hundred thirty one ten one ten. Yeah, I yeah, I guess I just I just for me I I'm not I'm I'm taking Lindor ahead of him, and I can get Lindor in the second round. I love Lindor, I really do. Um, he's yoked. He's probably going to continue to try to hit power though. It's probably going to stop running more though. That 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 speed is at is at risk though, isn't it? If he continues to round into a power player under the same reasoning that you had for Correa, yes. But uh, you're still definitely going to get double digits, right? I mean, you know, he's sitting. Know. He's sitting at the. We're going to get he's double hitting, digits last year from Correa because he'd done it two years in a row. He's hitting at the top of the lineup. Uh, the, the Indians don't mind pushing it on the base pads. He stole 11 bases in the second half. Um, you know, I mean, the, you know, the, the, all the signs point to Lindor continuing to push it on the base paths. The signs do not point to Correa ever becoming a stolen base threat. Um, even though we thought we, he would at some point. See, here's the thing. I never really thought he was going to be much of a stolen base threat, so this doesn't really surprise me. I always thought he was going to kind of be that sort of, you know, eight to eleven kind of guy. Like, I don't need him to be. Uh, and if that's, I mean, if that's all you're looking for, if that's what you're looking for, then I mean, I I think he's got a super high floor as long as he's healthy. 
You I'm know. looking for the utter dominance of power and batting average in the heart of a, uh, an amazing lineup. Yeah, and he's got that. Like I, I'm not quibbling with the fact that he's a top twenty guy. I just, for me, he's not a first rounder. Well, I mean, with an ADP of of fifteen, he's rarely, or not rarely, he's not always a first rounder, though. Yeah, I mean, if like, if it was me, I'm switching their ADPs. You know, that's all. Like, that's all. I I'm can saying. get in on Lindor. I can actually get in on Lindor as a top ten guy. Like, it, like if you're concerned that he's not going to get back to you. If you're picking nine and you're like, I don't think he's going to make it back in the second round, take Lindor at nine. I think it's completely justifiable. Like, um, I, I have no issue with it. In fact, his min pick is eight. I, I have no beef with it. I love what Francisco Lindor does. He's an everything kind of player. Um, what do you think of this power, though? Yeah, I know I was kind of making a joke about him being yoked, but he is. It is kind of crazy. They showed his arms in spring training. Like, he is, he is kind of yoked up. Um, You've been working out with Yandy Diaz too much. Exactly. They just do forearms every day. It's like, Yandy, should we do legs? No, shut up, Francisco. It's forearms today. Okay, but we did forearms like nine days in a row. Listen, Lindor, if you're going to work out with me, you're going to shut the hell up. We're doing forearms again. Okay, (laughs) fine. Popeye Jr. over here. Um, The 33 homers on Lindor, though, like where you got him this year? Uh, It's hard because – You'd almost rather see him not hit so many home runs at the expense of the average. Exactly, and there was definitely it, it certainly looked like a trade off. And it it totally was. I, have I mean, a hard he, time to believe it's not. Like I, I think everything points to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he purposefully attempted more power, put the ball in the air. You know, fourteen percent more uh, over the course of the season. The power and the speed both ticked up in in the second half. But it was at the cost of his average. Hit two fifty seven in, in the second half. So I mean, I think he is probably a thirty home run, fifteen to twenty stolen base guy, uh, with a two seventy five average. That should be a first round pick. Yeah, and that's why I think he should be. You know, I'm I'm all on board Lindor going in the first round or right after it. I have a question. And I say this as a believer in this other guy. This is actually not an anti-take. This is just kind of a question. I know, I'm, I know the park that he plays in is definitely going to help him. But why would you take Charlie Blackman over Francisco Lindor? What are the reasons to do that? I mean, you, if you think that you are going to – that the speed is going to return to the levels that Charlie Blackman for, has seen. For Blackman? Yeah, for Blackman. Oh, I can't see any way that that would, though. That just – at 31 versus the guy who's 24. Or, I mean, you know, the average. Faster. The average, you know, is. The average, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, I know he scored 100. I'm not just looking at last year, though, and I know you don't either. You and I don't. Not everything is last year. Um, but you're talking about seven years' age difference. So, Lindor's speed, I just made a case of how it could go down because, you know, he's evolving into a power hitter, but you. Uh, correctly pointed out that he stole more in the second half and he is still batting first second. He's not really third, fourth. Um, and so he is an elite speed guy and he could, I think he could actually go up. Like there's a case for it, even though I, I did the pushback on, on it going down. Blackman does still have cores, of course. And it's a little, it's not even like a firm, like, Hey, you must take Lindor over Blackman. If anything, I would say, okay, when you take Blackman at what, eight or nine, why wouldn't you take Lindor the very next pick? Maybe that's the better way to mm-hmm. say. It. I mean, because I I'm think not, for I'm the argument, the argument for Blackman is three thirty one. 
uh, at 725 plate appearances last year. I mean, and and 14 billion runs. Like, it yeah. was sick. Like, the two categories that get a little bit of short shrift, average and runs, runs especially, uh, he just beasted out. And, oh, hello, 37 yaks on top of it, just for mm-hmm. funsies. Like, no, he was so dumb last year. Like, just dumb amounts of good. And a 1,000 OPS on the dot just looks very cool, by the way. That's just a cool <laughs> to, like, be like right on the dot. That was really nice. But, of course, that's also a career year. So, you know... Let's put him back at 29-17 with a 324, which is still amazing, by the way. So I'm not even saying take Blackman in the first round. I think what I'm trying to more make the case of is Lindor should probably be a first rounder. The only problem is, and this is this is exactly what I thought the answer would be, is that first round is just too deep because I have is. a hard time really kicking anybody it, it's, out. It, it's 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 picking straws again. It's one of those things where I'm, you know, I'm saying that this is this is the one I would be taking. Um, but like, I mean, how can you? In, in in the grand scheme of things, I can't really say like, oh, Korea doesn't deserve to be a first rounder because there's probably twenty two guys that deserve to be first rounders this year. Yeah, that that that's that's for sure. And so the fact that Lindor's been on the short end of that stick and and ends up being with an ADP of of uh, twenty twenty one, who all all the better. Just, and yeah, that's just why enjoy I, picking eighth or ninth. And I was gonna know. say that's why if you get a late pick. You should not fret because you get whoever you like. You know, you go Harper, Lindor, and holy frick. Yeah, Kershaw, Lindor, Scherzer, Lindor. I mean, yeah, Harper, Lindor. Though I, I'm I'm lower on Harper, I think, than, you know, some people. You know, even Dump, Betts, Lindor. Lindor. Betts, Lindor, oh my God, give me a break. Because Lindor's another guy who is on, like, a Betts trajectory. Mm-hmm. He's that same sort of same sort of deal there. If I can get a team where I get Betts, Lindor, and Albies, oh my god, I'll have to put my roster up on Pornhub. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right, uh, Bregman. Remember when I took him in the third round and yeah, like, that for and I was like, well, I don't know, it's pick forty five. That wasn't too bad. Now he's average ADP thirty one. Average ADP. Yeah. That's average average draft position. That's a different kind of ADP, guys. That's next level ADP. That's like ATM machine or pin number i'm an idiot so no but he's at 31 on average now second and third base eligibility has the skills for sure but how do you feel about bregman i mean i think we talked about him at length on the third base third base yeah uh one and i mean i i'm i think i'm gonna repeat what i said so if you forgot or you haven't listened to that one yeah, yet i, I um, forgot we, we don't have to go too deep you can make a quick comment yeah, here but then we will i think there's just there's first the first and second round are so deep and then there's this just a little drop off and Bregman's kind of there and people are going, well, well, that guy just got Josh Donaldson who was, you know, a first round pick for years. Uh, you know, I, I need that first round pick. I need that same guy. And so people are reaching on Alex Bregman. And I think, I think he's somewhat safe, but, uh, he's Jose Ramirez light, but we're not getting him at a Jose Ramirez light, uh, price. No, it's their, their, their prices are very similar. Uh, all right, Corey Seager sitting at 40, and then there's there's 20 picks till the next guy. So we'll go Corey Seager by himself. I think he's finally being priced appropriately. I thought he was a, a little bit overrated last year, and, of course, the injury, um, you know, kept that in check. Like, the talent is obvious. Like, I, I'm not shading the talent, but I'm just starting to worry about all the help. Now it's an elbow. It's been a back, and, you know, he can't play shortstop for another week from the other day. So we're, we're still uh, about a half week from that. And it's just like, 
you know, we're starting to see the injuries pile up a little bit. Now, this is something where I could definitely see in a long-term scenario where it's like the first couple of years of Seager are like always the health concern guy and then boom, turns it on. Remember when I talked about this with Longoria where it's like he was a health concern for a couple of years and then he became Mr. Steady. And by the way, it's not like Seager hasn't played games. He's 157, 145. So he's not punking out. But it's also, I think it might be affecting his game. So it's been a pretty uh, 26, 22 on the homers, 72, 77 on the ribs, 308, 295. That's good. The batting average is definitely carrying him in the runs as well, 105, 85. But I haven't seen that like over the top game changer that maybe I'm looking for. I might be putting a little bit too much burden on him. But now at 40, I'm kind of in, even with some of these concerns. How do you feel about uh, Corey Seeger? I'm worried about the health. I mean, it's so far. I mean, it's. I, I look at the numbers, and I think what happened was last year people saw the 26 home runs with, you know, th- over 300 average in his first full major league season, and they went, oh, this is just the beginning. Like, the, you know, I and, think. And you can see how they, mm-hmm. they come to that conclusion because. You project, you do a perfect world, you, you, you find some utopia where you turn injuries off, mm-hmm. and you can see 330-30. Like, like, and he virtually even, did the same thing, just yeah. you know, a few less games, a couple less home runs. Um, you know, the, the run support wasn't as good, good behind him, so he didn't get as many runs. Uh, like, he did the exact same thing two years in a row for the most part, right? So, like, this is who he is, and that's great. But, like, you know, the health concerns to me make him a little scary. Like, like on, on his fan graphs page, we have him listed at 6'4", 220. Like, is he really 220? Like, you're, um, you're closer to 6'4". Like, he's a skinny dude. I think he's got a little bit of thickness, though. Because yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm... I look at these pictures, and dude. he just looks skinny. I'm built um, like Carl Edwards Jr. <laughs> and Chris Sale. And, Swift yeah. and Chris Sale. Like I, I'm I, looking right now. Yeah, like, okay. I, here's the thing. I think when you're 6'4", um, you can hide some weight. Like, I'm noticeably skinny at 170. Um, and so, you know, you could you could spread out another 40, 50 pounds on my body. And I don't know that, it, it, like, it would be noticeable, but I also wouldn't look like I was, like, yeah. thick or anything and i i don't know i i i see it i see it with, with okay. seeker i think the powers there again like the skills are there but mm-hmm. i just think that the health is a major concern you know he was a, he wasn't a top 100 player on the player radar last year he was 104 or excuse me 102 that's no, because everybody's hitting 22 home runs now exactly and so the average can only carry you so far he was only three spots ahead of teammate yasiel puig mm-hmm. you he, know who's mediocre mediocre apparently mm-hmm. mediocre i don't yeah <laughs> god Brad, you infuriate me, dog, <laughs> with your mediocre talk. Um, yeah, so you know, again, I think this is a better price because he's has he's definitely been overrated in the past. I think he was like a fringe first rounder last year, and I just didn't see that. I'd still want him a little bit below this if I was really going to dive in, especially with the elbow now as well. If if we had just come in with the back still kind of as the main thing holding Backs still scare me though that's Backs definitely scare me but but he added another injury like that's the scary thing it's like oh another injury here with the elbow yeah it's it's tough i think the the way shortstop is and just the way i am on seager generally i'm not getting him but i do think the price is fair to take a shot 
Okay, let's move on to the uh, next group here. And again, it's a little bit spread out, but we're going to group them together anyway. Elvis Andrus at 60, Gene Segura at 75, Xander Bogarts at 81. We'll focus on this little trio. Um, and by the way, Javier Baez is at 101. We talked about him at second base. Go ahead and jump over. The, uh, rewind a little bit if you really forgot. You have a short-term memory if you <laughs> oh, But uh, Andrus, Segura, Bogarts, who do you like best of the trio? I think it's Segura. Give me the speed, uh, you know, 20 picks or so after Andrews. Um, I He's pretty quietly, like, really good. Yeah, like, I, I think he still gets this, you know, overrated kind of tag mm-hmm. because, you know, everybody always thought the breakout was coming, the breakout was coming, the breakout, and then the, the breakout well, came, like, you know. No, it's, be- it's because it came in 2013, yeah. and then it and then it flopped, and mm-hmm. there was kind of like some evidence that it was going to flop, because I think he had a bad second half that year, and then he had the 14, 15 down years, but then we also well, talked about how he had the yeah, situation died. where his three-year-old son drowned in, in a pool, and like, how much of that played on those numbers? Like, I don't even know how much we can take those numbers seriously when you consider something like that. Again, imagine even going to work, let alone trying to also perform the fact that, you know, so I don't know. And then he goes to Arizona, busts back out with a 2033, goes to Seattle. We figured the power would come down. It goes to 1122, but that was also in 26 fewer games. So keep that in mind. It was 130 fewer plate appearances. So if you say it was, uh, if you, extrapolate out to like 694 plate appearances the same as he had in 2016 it was probably closer to like uh i don't know 15 um 15 27 something like that so not too far from what he did in arizona and you knew it was going to come down a little bit because of the par i just think he's a really solid solid guy two straight seasons of at least 300 average you know Which, I mean, yeah the average is nice too for for segura so i, I like that I love Segura. I mean, in this tier right here, I think Andrews, you're paying for what he did last year, and there's no way you're gonna he's gonna keep up those power numbers. Uh, it seems unlikely, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he definitely benefited from you know the the era that we're in, um, but I just I, I I can't see him hitting 20 again. It just it just he had a brilliant season, but and he's got a he's got a really strong floor because mm-hmm. I think even if he falls oh back, super high floor, yeah, but. At that price, like he was so much cheaper in previous years, where I was like, okay, well, I'm paying for that floor of that speed that works. Let me see what he was last year. Hang on, I'm gonna guess he was like 140, very close, 155. Yeah, so so you know we we've jumped up over uh, or not over uh, j- around 100 picks, 90 picks, and. I don't know. I'm backing off. I'm not buying that breakout year uh, at the full freight, even at age, tw- you know, at age 29. He's still on the right side of 30, but I'd rather get Segura or yeah. Bogarts, to be honest. I still have some love for Bogarts. I do too. Um, I, I, I think he's somebody who could have an amazing year this year and, and be that mid rounder who plays himself into the first, second round. Um, and and even if it's just getting back to 2016 when he went 21 13 with a 294 and 115 runs because of that, and 89 ribbies the whole thing was nice, uh, yeah he struggled last year but he also had some health behind it. I mean we're talking about a 25 year old who's had 2652 plate appearances like he's got experience like this guy I think he I don't want to go too far in saying underrated because he's still a top 80 pick like that's you know when you're in the top 100 you are rated like you are you are known you are you are given credence but I think he could have Andrews' ADP even off of last year's bad year and I wouldn't even bat an eye yeah I mean he's just uh you know he needs to put a few more balls in the air 
Yep. You know? I would like to see a little bit more p- power development you for know? sure. Instead of doing what everybody else has done, uh, you know, in 2017, which was lift the ball a little bit or a lot bit, um, he actually hit more ground balls. So, like psych. Yeah, and I mean, and in, in that, and when you do that, you kind of put the ball on the ground that much, you're, you're going to sometimes suffer in the average department, you know, especially if defenses that you're playing against uh, are, are playing well. And so I think that kind of accounts a little bit for, for the drop in average. But I think he's a 290 hitter, and I think he can hit 15 home runs and steal double-digit bases, and uh, he's going to score a ton of runs in that Boston lineup. So I think this is the first year where he is uh, being appropriately valued. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely there's no hype finally. Like again, 80 80 is just saying, listen, this is a guy who's done it before, um an uber prospect on Boston. We can't go too crazy and try to draft him 120. That would be silly. So 80 is just saying, "Hey, we know this guy is is, is solid." But again, he could play himself into a top 50 player. And so I like Bogarts. I love him at 81. Um, if I can get him anywhere near his min pick, which is just outside, or max max pick, which is just outside pick 100 uh, at 108, I like it. 55 for a min pick is a little high, like, but like I said, he could be 60 and I wouldn't freak out. If I could see a draft scenario where I'm going through and I'm like, you know what, I'm on the wheel here and I'm just going to go, you know, closer Bogarts just to make sure I get one of the the top shortstops. Maybe um, Segura's already gone or something like that because he, he sometimes goes higher than his average uh, draft position see, as well. So We're working off of different ADP pages because I've got a max pick of 130 for Bogarts. I went from 222. Yeah, for some reason you and I just, uh, we're not syncing up on the ADPs, but um, I've got an ADP of 84 for him, max pick, 130, min pick, 55. Mm. Tell us in the comments uh, who, who, who's, uh, who, whose ADP no, is correct. To, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out, do you have any of the other options? Like, cause we're, it doesn't make sense that it would give two different results. Like that's All, all drafts? Yeah. Uh, all number of teams? Yeah. 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 I don't know. From 222.18 to 3.8.18? Oh, wow. Okay. The hell did uh, you think I meant when I, I said... I, I'm an idiot, and I didn't change my 17 to an 18, so I went from oh last goodness. year. Yeah, That's amazing. No wonder is been in max. That's hilarious. <laughs> there we yeah, go. Max of 108. There we go. All right. Okay. Now now okay. I'm on board. Sorry, everybody. We're on the same page. No problem. No problem at all. So, yeah. Um, you know, r- rarely going much outside the, the top 100 for Xander Bogarts, but if you are getting him around there, um, take that to, take that to the bank because I still think there's plenty of upside here. And even a repeat of last year, while it wouldn't return a, a great net value at pick 80, uh, it's definitely one of those situations where it's also not killing you because batting average is so nice um, and and a little bit of an <clears throat> excuse me an underrated category. You know. I think uh, on the player radar last year, he was like 112. Let me look, actually, just to be certain. He was, where are you, Xander? Oh, he's lower than that, excuse me. 136. So, um, and that, that's with all hitters and, and pitchers. Um, the, the reason it's tough to go, I, I, I usually just do batters only, though, because the relievers that pop up, like, okay, for example, Addison Reed was 131 on the player radar. There's 
like even if Addison Reed had a job, I don't think people would take him uh, a closing job. I don't think people would take him at one thirty one. Like Yusmero Petit was one thirty seven. So like it gets a little skewed. So I I I've been citing the composite numbers, but I usually do batters only to just kind of focus on like oh he was a top eighty hitter or whatever. But either way, the bottom line is I don't think Bogarts is going to repeat last year. He had a wrist injury. Even if he did, it would not be season-breaking even at pick 80. And that's what you have to do with these assessments is, yes, there's upside, but then the downside doesn't kill me. All right, going down, again, skipping Baez. Um, going to Trevor Story, 117. Didi Gregorius, 118. Marwin, we already talked about. Um, Paul DeYoung, we already talked about. So let's just go with Didi and Trevor Story because then it jumps all the way down to Orlando RC at 180. So... You briefly mentioned Story earlier. You paired him with, you said, LeMahieu, which is, a, I mean, what a great combo. The the two guys on the same team, the Keystone combo, they complement each other so brilliantly in terms of their fantasy stats. I'm buying back in on Story. I was one of the clowns buying him super early last year because I just love the power-speed combo in Coors, and I, I think we could see... I think we could still see a massive season, and we didn't, though. He struck out 191 times, hit 239. Imagine what he would have hit if he wasn't in Coors. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that protects him. I think that's a floor, really. Two, mm-hmm. 239, I think, is actually a floor because he is protected by his home ballpark. Um, I still see a lot of upside here. I really do. I, as he evolves, he's only going to be 25. He hasn't even crossed the 1,000 uh, plate, plate appearance threshold as a major leaguer i i still think we could see a 35 10 260 sort of season and that that'd be amazing yeah he's a he's super risk reward for me um and so i i'm kind of careful on where what kind of format i'm gonna uh get him in so yeah, i you gotta said, be careful on your construction with trevor story yeah so i mean i said like i took him and uh, lemayu paired them up together on the turn in my nfbc league I also, because it was you know the fifty round draft and hold. I also got Brendan Rodgers because I think there's a chance Ooh, Rodgers like is that. up at some point this year, yeah. and he's replacing somebody. I don't know who you know if, if Story Nolan continues Aaron to Apple. struggle, it's going to be Story. If Story doesn't struggle, it would be Lemayhew. Um, Maybe they trade Lemayhew for like a, a pitching piece or something, and then they say, okay, we can bring up Rodgers. Like, yeah. it, it could also be a situation where nobody fails, but Rodgers is doing too well to stay down. Yeah, you know, but you, then you got to make room for him. So you know, like I love get I love getting all three of those guys. I like, agree. I, I like that a lot. You know, or if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take story, it's gonna be I'm handcuffing Rogers. So there's and there's only certain formats where that is appropriate. You can't do that in a ten team league. You can't do that in most twelve team formats. But you can do that in a fifteen team league. You can do that if you've got an NA slot, a minor league slot. Uh, available. Uh, you can do that in the 50-round draft and hold. So for me, it, Story is a format guy. The ceiling is huge, like, like you mentioned. I mean, he's got, you know, 35 home run potential in that bat, for sure, especially in cores. Um, but there is a there is a floor that can hurt your batting average, so make sure you pair him with a batting average guy. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more, and and that outlines what I like. You know, I like story a lot. Um, I don't think it's gonna be like a massive speed situation. Probably just putting him at ten stolen bases, but the power is really uh, exemplary for sure. So keep an eye on him. Uh, Didi Gregorius had nice, nice little break breakout season last year. Got a lot of people excited. A little Yankee tax action, um, I think for sure here because 
you know, the 2587 with 287 batting average, uh, it was a nice season without a doubt. And it was 136 games too. So if he did stay healthy for a buck 50 plus, like you could see more, but I definitely think Yankee taxes that play. I don't necessarily think he should be. Yeah. I mean, he's at- a, he's a good player and it's going to be yes. a really nice lineup in front of him. But let's be honest. Like, is he really going to out-earn Andrew Simmons, who is going 100 picks later than him? And he, he might do it differently, right? He yeah. might out-earn him, but it might be like, because he's going to be power-focused, but Andrelton can run and still hit double-digit homers, uh, but also get double-digit steals. Get he's a good also going to hit lower in the lineup this year. Exactly, because uh, that lineup is so stout. So, you know, runs the runs and RBIs will certainly be there. Uh, for Gregorius, for for batting lower third, but um, I don't know. I think he's a little bit overblown here because I like some other guys around him, including the guy who's right matched with him uh, in story. But uh, I don't hate it. Like if someone takes him at one seventeen, I don't think you're making an egregious mistake or anything. It's from just a, not from a floor perspective. You know, very much like Angelton Simmons, he's gonna play every day as long as he's healthy. Yes. He's a slick fielder. Um, you know, he is. Uh, He's going to be in the lineup on a regular basis. And he hit 20 and 16 as well, right? So this wasn't mm-hmm. an out-of-nowhere power surge. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's possible he returns value. I just don't see him exceeding value, which is what I want to do. Correct. And and so, yeah, we're, we're good there. Uh, let's jump down now. Orlando Arcia at 180. Tim Anderson, 197. We already talked about Peraza at 208, uh, Jorge Polanco at 216, and then the aforementioned Andrelton at 220. Let's let's cut it there. So we got Arcia, Anderson, Polanco, and Andrelton. An interestingly similar group here that has like uh, speed as their main thrust, but also a little punch. What do you think of this group? If I didn't already have a boy um, that I think I don't think you mentioned it in this group, I think he's in the next one. Um, then Orlando Garcia would be my boy. I I dig Orlando Garcia. That's the first guy I pulled up. I was definitely going to mention him as yeah, well. Yeah, it's you know the speed and the speed and pop. Like the pop, like I I knew he had a little bit of pop in his bat. I didn't realize he had 15 home runs in his bat. Um, Same. And he definitely has more speed than he showed last year. And playing on a team like the Brewers, who will let him run, um, like I think there is a legitimate shot that he goes. Twelve twenty-five this year. Yep. And the plate skills that. he showed, uh, an ability to hit for contact and average, uh, was really impressive. Uh, after you know he he disappointed in his first kind of brief call up in the major leagues in two thousand sixteen. Um, you know, but he he came back. He he made adjustments. Uh, he learned about uh, about pitching and pitchers, and uh, it really showed uh, at the plate. And I think. The two seventy five, two seventy seven average we saw last year is fairly legitimate. I I couldn't agree more with with all that. I that like I said that was going to be my guy. I picked, so I'm a hundred percent with you on on Orlando Arcia on Milwaukee. Another guy with uh, defense is going to keep him in the in the lineup the whole time. That's why you know VR can't sniff short and he has to do all his work at, at second or or elsewhere. But uh, Orlando is the shortstop of the future. I really like him. Uh, Tim Anderson, speed only guy. Uh, that hit 19 I, actually, home runs weird, weirdly. Uh, wait, I was just about to say, I was like, wait, 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 wait. I can't say speed only because that is incorrect. My apologies there. He popped 17 bombs oh, sorry, 17. somehow. 
But yeah. he's 15 for 16 on the. I, I knew the 15 for 16. And that's why I was like speed only, um, because I, I was thinking about how his. Well, he stole 49 in, in in the majors in 2000 or in the minors in 2015. Yeah, he's a speed demon, but he also has some punch because he also hit nine in 99 games in 2016. So I don't want to sell him short. My concern with Tim Anderson is that the triple slash can be so bad. He's a 268, 289, 414 for his career. 289. That's so bad, dude. Come on. Take a freaking walk. 276 do, last year. Like, walks are not the end-all, be-all, right? And there are definitely some um, statistic-heavy folks that that overrate them and think that they're a, a key to automatic success. But this is on the outlier end of, holy crap, you're terrible. And at some point, you're gonna it's gonna cut into the performance and and i mean it did last year you hit 257 but but pitchers are gonna be like let's just not give this like let's find the weakness and just attack it this guy will swing at everything he won't take a walk and we don't have to worry about giving up one of his 17 homers so i like the skills he's 25 i like the power speed skills but the plate skills are atrocious and he needs to figure something out there so i think that's built into the price for tim anderson at 197 but it does concern me so he's a middle only for sure i don't want to have him as my starting shortstop if i like waited on the position or anything i'd rather do arcia uh at, at shortstop there but I, I still worry about a 276 OBP. That's so freaking gross, dude. So that's my concern on Anderson. But no, he's not. He's not speed only. He's a power speed guy, and that isn't that is alluring, but only to a certain degree until I see some improvement at the dish. Yeah, he he he's not a good hitter. It's just it. Like I I know like people are gonna be like, well, look at look at the home runs last year. Like those are coming down. Like he's not hitting 17 home. He swung outside of the zone. Forty-one point three percent of the time what? last year. I mean, it's you know, it, it, this oh is not. God, this is I a guy that. that, yeah, he 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 crushed some mistakes. He did, but like this is this is gonna catch the the approach is gonna catch up with him. And like, I, I understand like you know, people are like, oh, two fifty-seven. That's not a bad average. Like, wait till that craters, and we're looking at a guy who's hitting two thirty. You know, yep. with ten home runs. And because he only walks two percent of the time, you know, 2%. like the the whole reason people were excited about him as a prospect is because he has eighty grade speed. You cannot steal first base, and that nope. that is going to be that, that's a joke we used to make with Billy Hamilton all the time. But at least Billy Hamilton is walking seven percent of the time. Yeah, at least he can get on first base yes it's it's tough and and so there is there is real risk with anderson even at 197 but i do think it's a fair price and so i'm not against it if you take him as as your as your power speed middle nothing to do with uh, it i want nothing to do with it i I, i'm not going to take him because i would actually take the next guy i like jorge polanco a little bit um and and I, i like his little second half action here um i like that you know former prospect of 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 some acclaim and had a nice little 293, 359, 511 second half with 10 homers, seven stolen bases. That was after fronting the league three months. He was terrible. He literally had a homer and a steal in each of April, May, and June. And guys, it's not like he had, you know, 20 plate appearances in each. It was 89, 97, and 67. Like he got playing time, but he was a nightmare. But they stuck with him and it paid off because I mentioned that he went 10 and 7 in the homers, stolen bases. All 10 homers were from August 1st on. And so um, I, re- I really like what – in fact, the whole 10-7 was from 
uh, August 1st on because he had three stolen bases in early July. Uh, Jorge Polanco did. So he did 10-7 in the final two months of the season. I, I like this guy. 24 years old, should have a job in Minnesota, a solid lineup. Like I said, some prospect pedigree, not expensive. I like him. Jorge Polanco, what do you think? I like him too. I think he is, it's going to be weird to say, I think he's uh, Orlando Arcea light. Okay. You know, I, 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 I don't fine. think, I don't think he has the, I don't think he has the ceiling of Orlando Arcea. I think he's got the floor. Um, so I think he's going to give you pretty much what we saw last year. You know, and that's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, with an improved triple slash, I would, I would think I yeah. could see another like 17, 17 with, with a, with a, an OPS that get you know, a 264 average and then an OPS that's like a 765 or something, which yeah. is not like uber sexy, but you slot that in your middle and you're good to go. And it's kind of a set it and forget it thing. He's one really of those guys think- too. Where, like you don't have to play in roster construction around. He just like fits perfectly in. If you've already exactly. had a balance approach, he fits right into it. Yep, we both like Jorge Polanco just fine. Angleton, um, you already started mentioning him a little bit. He made some changes last year, and you know they, there was a telecast, and I couldn't find it because how are you going to find one freaking you know w- w- one game uh, where they talked about something? Because I, I just don't remember it. But they talked about how he had been working with Trout, and then they showed a side by side, and these two looked exactly the same at the dish in terms of their setup and everything. And it's crazy how like you work with somebody and you can like completely mimic them. Now, obviously, he's never going to be Trout. You don't have Trout's inherent skill, but he really unlocked some power. That, that we had seen previously back in uh, 2013, but had been gone for a while from Angleton. And then he went 14-19 with a 278. Really strong season out of him. I think we could see more of the same in 2018. What do you think of Angleton Simmons? Yeah, in uh, my first year in the industry, my first ever bold predictions piece, I said Angleton Simmons would go 15-15. And he made you look foolish because that was like three years ago, right? Yeah, that was 2014. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, it... <laughs> It didn't go well, but uh, I have some. I have some of those out there. Some Angleton bold predictions. I feel you, brother. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he finally, he finally kind of just put it together, and I, I like the swing change. And again, another one of these guys that is so slick defensively, best defensive uh, shortstop in the league. He's never going to sit, even when he struggles. And that to me yep. offers a level of safety that I love. And I love the I fact love- that he started running again. Um, you know, and the Angels have been been pushing on the base paths, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, stolen most bases in the major leagues last year. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to not love where he's going right now. All right, we're up against the clock a little bit, so we're going to give a little bit of short shrift here, and I apologize, but I will say, among this rest of this group, a lot of these guys were also second base eligible, so we already we already covered them: Owings, Salarte, Asdrubal, Reyes. So it's not going to be that bad when when you when you realize that we're having to go speed round, but we are going to speed round it a little bit. Zach Cozart, two twenty two. Marcus Simeon, I know we're going to end up talking about him, two twenty eight. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, 242. Tim Beckham, 261. Addison Russell, 263. Glaber Torres, 279. And Cattell Marte, 335. And then um, I'm going to not even make you speak about Brandon Crawford. He's at 337. He's Angleton light in, in that his playing time is guaranteed. He'll give you some pop. He's an easy guy to just throw in. He can be your middle even in an NL only, which I like. So he's just a solid, steady Eddie. Nothing spectacular about him. But what about the... Yes, great NL only guy. But what about from Cozart? I want, I want to hear you talk about Cozart uh, following up with LA and then Semyon, and then I'll have you pick your favorite between the Rosario, Beckham, Russell, Torres, Marte group. 
Uh, I, you know, Karuzart was a pretty decent glove at shortstop, so I assume he's going to be a fantastic glove at third base. He also grabbed that eligibility. Uh, the homer's going to come down a little bit with the park, uh, but I'm not super worried. I, th- I think, like, you're getting a huge discount from where he would have been going yeah. had he stayed in Cincinnati, so... And I don't think it craners. I don't think it craners, no. man. He hit 16 in 121 games in 2016. Like, I think he could hit another 20. Even yeah. if it's not going to be with a 297 average, so that's fine. No. But it's it's going to be 20 with like a 270, 2270 at a guy with second and third or uh, short and third. I'll take it. I think depth charts projections kind of nail it for me. 250, 256, 18 home oh, runs, yeah. four stolen bases. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that nails it, and that's what I want from him. And getting him there, I think, is a pretty nice deal with dual eligibility. Mm-hmm. All right, Marcus Simeon. Uh, we both uh, love it, so I'll let you take this one. And okay. I'm, I'm going to echo everything you say. All right. 2016, he hits 27 home runs, steals 10 bases. Uh, 2017, he, he's starting off fine, er, injures his wrist. It saps all the power. But during that time, he he learned a new approach. I think he just he had a hard time hitting for power because his wrist was hurting. Uh, and so he became more patient. The walk rate went up. Uh, the plate skills improved. And he kept those when he came back. And so, like, mm-hmm. and then, you know, he's, he the power started to come back a little bit. I think this is a guy that could legitimately go 2020. Um, yes. and Super efficient on the basis, Simeon is, too. In a dream season, we're talking about a guy who is 25-20, um, 260 average. You know, it may be closer to 250. Uh, but that's still pretty great, especially considering where he's going. He is, you asked me prior to us uh, hitting the record button, if I'm one of those people that like overexposes myself because I'm in 16 plus leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus Simeon will be on virtually every single one of my teams. Yes, and we do that same thing. We collect our guys. So that way, because you know, some people say, oh, you play every league, you have every guy. And it's like, you try to avoid that and and there are certain guys and once you get past like pick one 100 where it opens up that's when you keep getting the same guys and Simeon's a guy that um you know it's gonna be interesting to see what happens at Tout or is next week when we're both in the same league <laughs> I'm just saying but no I totally agree and I will even go a step further I'll say dream season is like a 30 17 there like, you go like amplify the power but bring down the speed just a touch okay last thing Ahmed Rosario Tim Beckham Addison Russell Glaber Torres Cattell Marte who's your favorite um oh Mm, I think you're going to go with Addison Russell. So I still have some love for him, but I think out of that group, I'm actually a little bit sold on Beckham. I wrote him up, so I did a little bit of a deep dive. I think full season in Baltimore, former number one overall pick, so there's some pedigree there. I kind of like him. I can't quit Addison Russell. I've been on that train forever, so you're right. That would be my that would be a guy that I'm definitely still favoring, but out of that group, I, I, I do want to give Beckham some love. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on both Beckham and Russell. I'm not giving up on Beck or on on Russell. He's way too young. I just I love the park uh, change for uh, for Beckham, and I love mm-hmm. the fact that he's gonna be getting everyday at bats. He's starting with shortstop eligibility because Machado's moving to shortstop. He's gonna get third base eligibility. Um, I and I like the price. I mean, this is a guy that you know hit 22 home runs in 137 games last year. There's yeah, obvious not- power there. We're not paying for like. There's no tax on last year, so like he doesn't really have to do anything. Tim Beckham doesn't, so I I definitely like him. Again, we can't quit Russell. Um, yeah, I think we'll go ahead and cap it there because you gotta go pick up your kids. So we, we are we are hastily ending it, but hopefully you guys enjoy another long one. For Don't you. draft James B. Swanson. I warned you last year. I'm warning you again. 
Hey, he can only warn you guys so many times. He can only teach you all the fish. You got to figure out how to freaking do it. All right, Justin, great episode, man. And we will talk again next week.